off the ball. If he gets a knighthood, it'll be the services to insomnia because it's a boring way of playing. <laughs> There's 20 different stories to say that fit into this. It's why we love sports. It's the storytelling element of sport. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Alright, alright, a very good morning to you. You are welcome along. It is Wednesday morning. It is the final day of May in 2023. It's Sharon Shane with you all the way through until 10. Uh, 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 actually, no. Shane's going to be leaving in an hour's time. So we're, we're giving you an hour's advance notice at half past eight this morning if you're watching on the live show. Uh, we're going to be talking succession. In the meantime, though, here's what's coming up. Ronald O'Gara is standing by. We're going to talk to him about, uh, about being now one of the great European teams of all time. Then we've got the power rankings with Tommy Rooney at five past eight to decide who is the best team in the country at the moment. As I said, succession from half eight to nine this morning. Owen Coggins, you had to be there at nine o'clock and some football show goodness coming your way as well. So if you want to try not to put no spoilers in the comments, please. Thanks very much. That'd be very annoying for everybody. And uh, Shane, you're leaving us in an hour's time because uh, you couldn't you couldn't do it. You couldn't get up to speed. Didn't do my homework. Dog ate it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so close. I'm only five episodes out from... from Catching up, but uh, you know what's what? What difference could five episodes possibly make to the last five episodes of a series? Yes, but I, I tell you what, I am excited to once I fly through these five episodes to watching back this succession review and seeing what I, you know, because yeah. once you gobble up a TV show, you want to consume everything there is yeah. about it. Yeah. So, like, I'm looking forward to actually watching it back later. Uh, yeah, so a few days. Uh, there will be spoilers in half an hour, in an hour's time. But in the meantime, loads of other good stuff. The Ireland training panel was named yesterday. Some notable omissions. Uh, Balakoon didn't make it. Shane Daly didn't make it. John Hodden didn't make it. Mm. It might be a little, you know. Uh, Scott Penny didn't make it either. John Klein didn't make it. Larmer didn't make it, and uh, Jeremy Lukeman didn't make it either. Um, Anti monster bias. I don't think more? so. I don't think so. But I just like what what more does Hodden need to do? Um, they obviously don't currently like what he's giving them or they feel like he needs to add something extra to his game for the way they want to play but we don't have a whole heap of cover at 7 so I don't know what the plan is if the world's most indestructible man um, Josh van der Fleer does actually go down so mm. um, but I'd love to hear from fans out there from around the country what did you think of this? When you hear Woody and Quinny talking about Hodden at the last couple of days in the show you're like ah this guy this guy's the next level like he's brilliant and uh, you just saw it even from his post-match interview the passion rang loud so yeah you'd imagine he's not far off that squad but he'd be so disappointed not to well, have 42 tr- exactly so there's 42 man squad 33 will go to the World Cup so it's tricky there, are, there will be three matches before that uh, final 33 are named so no doubt there'll be injuries a loss of form but it's, now there's no more opportunities for you to prove your form mm. in the meantime if you're not in this squad and you're not in the training session so it's tricky the uncapped players Frawley Calvin Nash Jamie Osborne and Tom Stewart Obviously, Tom Stewart um, has burst on the scene this year and has been absolutely sensational hooker for Ulster. Uh, but he's still Rob Herring's sub most weeks. Um, but anyway, it's a big opportunity for him and you'd have to say the future's pretty bright for our hooker spot mm. uh, if the three younger uh, players can all stay fit. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know. Is everybody excited about this or is this bit where the nerves start to ratchet up? Because the squad's not finalised until August. This is, as I said, the last day of May. So we still have June and July mm. and a couple of weeks of August. Well, it's the size of the squad. Because in the build-up it was like he's going to pick 45 players. Then all of a sudden he picks 42. So there's 10 front rowers looking at this list. A lot of people would have expected 11 or 12. So you have Sheehan, Kelleher, Herring and Stewart at Hooker. So one of those won't make the squad in August, you'd imagine. Um, so yeah, if you, I'm surprised that he didn't name the 45. If you if, like, if you have the option, you might as well. Yeah, they obviously feel very comfortable. True, yeah. Knows who he wants. Knows where he wants them in terms of positions. Uh, the argument is that maybe Munster's success last weekend came too late for a larger swathe of their players to be included, maybe? I don't think that's, like, you know, new information came to light. The rug really brings the room together. John Hodnett, you're, you're, you know. Throw him in. You're, you're the dude. Yeah, I, I'm surprised, I have to say. Hodnett is probably the number one surprise for me. Um, but a lot of those players that you named are, there are going to be so disappointed not to make it. Because the chances of, you, of them making the Rugby World Cup squad have not been in the 42. As you said, there could be injuries, there could be change in form, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's highly unlikely that someone from outside the forty-two is going to be at the it's World It's very Cup. difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like you would need a, a rash of injuries. And look, it's it's um, professional rugby. There are a rash of injuries all the time. Uh, and look, there'll be a queue. There'll be a, a standby list. Per Joey Carberry, not on the on the list either. I, was, I kind of combing through the names yesterday. I'm like, go on, throw Joey's name in there. But no, it was it was always unlikely. But. Um, yeah, it's amazing. If you'd said three or four years ago Joey Carberry wouldn't be in this World Cup squad or wouldn't even be in the reckoning, you'd be like, nah, not a hope. So yeah, life moves on quick in rugby. Uh, it does indeed. Uh, quick run through some of the back pages. Um, Joe Felix, straight out the door. So it's Chow Felix. See what they did there. Yeah. Uh, Pochettino doesn't want him. That's one of his first decisions. Uh, Novak Djokovic. Wow. Causing uh, geopolitical tensions. Djokovic free to speak out despite Kosovo. This is, um, he will be allowed to speak at Wimbledon. Um, Josh Tung is going to play for England against Ireland in the cricket. Seems to be big news in the cricket world. Um, Flynn hits out Royal Chiefs after a decade of declines. This is Bernard Flynn with plenty to say about the situation in Meath football. Um, and no red wave as Farrell keeps to tried and trusted. So that's the no Munster bonus for winning. No Brucey bonus for um, winning that competition in the URC. Uh, Harry's not playing in Europe. This is Harry Kane. Will stay at Spurs and run down his contract for a year rather than join Bayern Munich if there is no option to leave. Mm. And maybe that's the right thing for him to do. You know, the the payday, he'll just take all the money whenever Spurs have to sell him and he won't sign a new deal and um, he'll score another 30 goals next season in the league. Man United's the only option, isn't it? Surely. Uh, in the Premier League, that is. If, if he's going to stay, which that report will be. I'm delighted to say Ronan O'Gara is with us this morning. Ronan, good morning to you. Hiya, Jared. Hi, Shane. Good morning. How are you? Great, yeah. All good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're back to work at the weekend. How did that feel? Ah, uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, we had a great atmosphere. A lot of guys, I suppose, who don't start in the um, shall we say the cup final got game time. Uh, so it was an important game because uh, even though there was nothing to play for, there was everything to play for because. Uh, Luckily, we qualified in the top two for the top 14, which is obviously huge over here. So um, Saturday week, we go to San Sebastian for a semi-final against uh, either Leon or Bordeaux. So uh, there was obviously positions up for grabs after 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 the final. And um, Stade Francais made changes as well, but... Um, 
we had a hard week parting, so uh, the whole group did. So uh, we were probably a little bit sluggish, but the attitude was fantastic. So fourteen uh, or 16,000 people, 80th time is sellout. So um, ground was hopping Sunday night, nine o'clock, the worst time possible for a game. But Monday was a bank holiday over here. So um, it ended up being a, a bit of a late night for everyone again, you know. Right, so the celebrations rolled on, as well they should, because that, that's the important bit. I know there used to be a situation where the end of the season was the European Cup and everybody kind of dispersed, and it, it definitely would feel maybe a little bit better if that was still the case. But obviously, in France, it's not. That's why finishing in the top two was really important. It meant that you did actually get to properly enjoy the moment and revel in it. Yeah, well, we did last year, obviously, as well, you know, but but then you're going to Toulouse away for a quarter-final, and... Uh, with a, without a, a week's rest so uh, it, it is a bit of a game changer in the fact that um, you're in really control of your planning you know so now what's ahead of us is um, hopefully 80 minutes and then another 80 minutes and uh, it's a, incredibly exciting because obviously after 12 minutes of uh, the final things weren't looking good and uh, you know, I mean, obviously the margins are very small, but the difference between getting over the line uh, and being, I suppose, etched in history is very, very different to being a finalist. Yeah, etched in history, though, like one of the literally all-time greatest well, European rugby teams, that's now, nobody can ever take that away from the group. Um, did, did, has that sunk in to everybody, to you? No, no, not at all, no. I think, uh, because you no know, matter, I think how experienced or how in control of your emotions you are in game day when you watch the video it's completely different you know uh, and we reviewed it with the team uh, and we were so average you know so so average in our performance it was it, it was crazy you know uh, where we excelled obviously was probably in resilience and character and and team spirit and willingness to fight but in terms of execution accuracy um, executing plays, we were we were way off where we wanted to be because that wasn't the plan going into the game. You know, what's going through your head running that with that Leinster start? Because uh, you're always calm on the sideline. Quinn even said that when he went over to, to one of your La Rochelle matches this season. Is your blood boiling inside, or are you still remaining calm despite the no, Leinster start? No, no point of blood boiling. You know, I think uh, what you want to try and do is that as good a first play as Leinster's was it's still probably two on two which uh, I mean if you have your time back again I think Carvalho takes Jack Conan and uh, Raymond Rude slips onto Dan Sheehan uh, Dan Sheehan has the pace of a winger that's for sure uh, but we made it a two on one yeah Leinster deserved to rip us apart with a brilliant special shall we call it but uh, to score a try was probably from my point of view, very, very soft and very disappointing. Uh, and then uh, the second try, you know, it starts with probably a miscommunication from Leinster's point of view. I think they're trying to play Henshaw. They play low. He's running into uh, into two defenders, but we were weak enough in the tackle. They get quick ball. They, they uh, were coming around the corner. Then uh, on the third play, they... Uh, I think pick out that Raymond Rule Matt watches the man as opposed to if he watches the ball the intercept uh, Keenan gets gets through the hole recycle the ball and Jimmy O'Brien scores in the right hand corner it's three uh, 
lightning quick ball, as they call it, in, in, in the Crusaders, LQB, and uh, they score. But uh, we've got to defend better than that. And then the, the third try is obviously uh, we're attacking. They're defending like dogs. They've been obviously flying in at rock time all day. And uh, they win a penalty at rock time from their outstanding defence. Gibson Park plays quickly. Uh, we, I think, adhere to the law really well. Uh, but Carbarlo is um, binned and we probably have four defenders against one attacker down the short sides and Gibson Park it's, it picks out a peach of a pass but poor defence and they score in the corner 17-0 you know but um, as I said to the boys the only good thing in the box is the only good thing is that it's we still have 68 minutes left in this game you know So you weren't obviously panicked at all there didn't seem to be any panic from the players Um Somebody said in the aftermath, I can't remember who, but like in the build-up, they were saying, "Oh, look, if we're twenty nil down, we're still going to we're going to under the post, just be calm." Did that like like was that was that just post fact rationalisation, or did that happen in the build-up where you're like, "Oh, look, we're going to"? No, they did say, yeah, Greg did say, it, but I don't know. He just picked that uh, picked that figure out of his head in the fact that you know, I mean, if we're twenty points up or twenty points down, we're not going to play our game. But that's. It's very easy to say, you know, when you don't appreciate, I suppose, the, the the depth involved in that. But if it was me, you'd absolutely love to be 17 up as opposed to being 17 points down. There's no downside, sorry. There's no upside to being 17 nil down at that stage, you know. It's 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 a shocking start and we've been blown out of the water. And uh, we knew they'd start fast, but I was thinking starting fast, you know what I mean, they might... Um, you know I mean have us under pressure but like three tries to zip and looking like undergone a steamroll is because the fourth was probably not far off coming either but thankfully we managed to shift the momentum live which is difficult in, in, in sport to do How did you do it? Um, I think uh, what we did was we managed to get a try with 14 men which I think uh put a nice marker in the sand about that we're not going away. You know, I think the fact that um, Brice Doolan went in and played nine and then obviously just Jonathan Dante did what Jonathan Dante's good at, running over people, running through people. And I uh, scored a try out of nothing. You know, we had a bit of a move where it was meant to be backline against backline where we were hoping to get uh, Dante on a one-on-one. But I think what happened was we gave Dante a one-on-four means usually he should get tackled and the ball poached penalty to Leinster but uh, like a lot of boys on the day he wasn't uh, too interested in, in, in seeking the refuge of the ground he wanted to win the metre in front of his face and uh, not alone that he did that but he brought us he pulled us back into the game because 17-7 completely different game Can I talk to you a little bit about that um, like a, what a lot of boys on the day obviously that's the that's the experience, it's the talent, but it's also the emotion of the occasion and their decision that they wanted to become the team who was going to be an all-time great team. Um, in the immediate aftermath of the game, you spoke about the few bits and pieces that um, had kind of upset the team, something some, something on the journey in, um, the, the rooms being uh, not exactly what you wanted, uh, people treating La Rochelle like a, a little club, the stuff with Sean O'Brien um, at halftime. Uh, individually none of this matters right you, you know you deal with one little thing the, the handshake um, at the, the toss as well 
in retrospect, because I wasn't sure if any of this actually mattered, because it just felt like La Rochelle were the slightly better team and, and therefore deserved their victory. But it now I'm, I realise that I'm kind of wrong about that, that actually the, the accumulation of a thousand small things does matter as a whole. Is that, am I reading that right? Um, no, I just think that people who are involved in, in, in at the top end of the game, they understand that these things happen, you know, but like a lot of it is is uh, completely blown out of proportion. You're talking about, um, you know, for example, Sean and myself had a little uh, disagreement for literally two seconds, you move on, you know, there's none of this uh, bust up or a Barney or anything like that. There's just a few uh, difficult words between two guys who are competitors. That that happens, you know what I mean? They shake hands at the end of the game and both of us apologise and that's that's what's important. But, you know, I think, uh, no, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't actually use that as fuel at all because I think you're getting distracted by what's very important. I think what I suppose um, comforted me but watching the review of the game was what I felt live is that um, there was only ever going to be one winner, I think, but we made such hard work of it. We, 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 we dominated the game, but we couldn't, in the second half, they couldn't get out of their 22, you know? So, um, for me, it was uh, just frustrating why, uh, and I have to find out why we were, I suppose, a little bit inaccurate as opposed to where I wanted the team to be. You mentioned to, to our own Ashing O'Reilly after the match run and about the small incident or small cohort of Leinster fans on the bus journey in, kind of riling the players up and maybe the players using that uh, within the game. What exactly happened there with the Leinster fans in advance of the match? No no interest. It's in the past, it's dead, over. But does that does that type of thing not rile the players up? Uh Maybe in the moment, but five seconds later, there's a new play, there's a new call. You've got to stay on your job, stay focused. What's my job? How am I going to execute this? You know, I think that's what really pleases. The atmosphere was incredible. I think the La Rochelle fans who travelled really added to it. It never felt like there was 3,000 or 5,000 French fans. It was um, such a good atmosphere. Obviously, we were completely... Um, um, outsung and out uh, chanted by, by by the Leinster fans but there's a particular uh, massive satisfaction when you get the job done in an environment like that you know it will be never in a European Cup final I suppose so lopsided in terms of uh, a home ground for for the opponents and for the boys to go 17-0 down and to manage to pull that out uh, speaks volumes to where they're I suppose motivation levels are yeah so I, I think what, what I'm trying to get at here is that all of these little things add up to a sense of being underdogs despite the fact that like you're the European champions with world class players um, is that the bit that's important where you kind of try and so you're not getting distracted by it but it's mood music as opposed to it being foregrounded I can't believe that something happened here or look what look what's happened you don't do that but like it's just a general all right, this is this these are the rules of engagement for this situation. Yeah, but I think it's also very important what you explain as the leader to your players uh what the reality is, what their perception is, you know. There's some players in Ireland that are extremely uh 
highly regarded within the country, outside of the country, that opinion would not be the same. There's the same with players in France are extremely well regarded. Outside of France, they may not be that high regarded. What I have an advantage is that I know a lot of those Irish players. I know a lot of the French players. I know Uge Sutini, and I think he's a fantastic player. But no one and probably... Uh, the Aviva probably knows Uje Sutini. I'm sorry, that's wrong to say they know, but I don't think they understand how good this player is because I, I coach him every day. I see him every day in the training pitch. I see what he can do. I can see with Dante. I can see with Aspoy. I can see with Dulan. I can see with Rule. I can see with Antonio. I can see with Skelton. I can see with Wardy. I can see with Bugaric. I felt we had the ingredients to do something. I told the boys in the build-up to the game, I don't expect a close game. I think that gave them confidence and I think um, at 17-0, there there was still that belief that if we get our stuff together, we can do this. And uh, what is incredibly pleasing is that they stayed on task even with so many inaccuracies that... And people say, what are the inaccuracies? We score three points, we receive a kickoff, we knock the ball on, we completely release all the pressure and advantage Leinster. How many malls did we not get the ball back off, even though the mall won us the game because we took Leinster's legs completely? They were drunk after 60 minutes. I think the most bizarre stat in the last 20 years has been the fact that they, they passed the ball, I think, 11 times their holdbacks in total. Okay. Yeah. There you go, we're back. Sorry. Okay, yeah. You were saying Sorry. the stat was 11 times in the whole game. Yeah, you know, so like, um, Leinster didn't play anywhere near Leinster's game, which which means the pressure they were under, they couldn't get out of their 22. We, they couldn't exit and then we were launching attack after attack after attack. So, uh, I mean, we have to look at ourselves to kind of go, well, why aren't we converting more of these um, um, promising attack situations? But I think also you have to understand we're playing against the cracking team and we also have to start 17-0 down. But the goal for for our next final will be, and the next final for us as a semi-final, will be um, to start the game uh, at zero zero, as opposed to giving a team a huge lead, that would help. <laughs> that would definitely help. <laughs> what lessons? What lessons have you learned? Don't go seventeen nil down, lads, and think it'll be much better for us. Uh, exactly. You, you get. You know what I mean. You get one life like that. You know. Obviously, the pressure on both sides was really intense. Like uh, in the ground, it felt really tense. Even um, when it was seventeen nil, the Leinster fans were like, "This just isn't quite big enough." Um, yeah, okay, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel any pressure the game game day. I was pretty chilled. I think a lot of our players, maybe too chilled, in fact, if you look back at it and going to go, okay, these guys are going to start fast, but that's the actual world-class definition of what a starting fast looks like and executing. Um, so, I mean, there's good messages for us to take from that, that's for sure. The motivation... But in terms of pressure around the ground or, or feeling them, yeah, I suppose. Um, thankfully, I don't... I don't feel like how a Leinster supporter feels, you know. <laughs> there was a great line from you in the build-up, uh, Ronan. You were saying, you know, asking the players who would you bring on your Everest with you, which which I thought was brilliant because it gave them that extra motivation. I think you had said you were bringing your your mother Joan with you, and and that was clear from the the post-match celebrations on the pitch as well. Family and La Rochelle is are two words that are just so linked. It, it was clearly a motivation for the players. 
yeah, I suppose you're just trying to tell a story or set a scene where you're going into the lion's den. They're all going to be against you, you know? And I think that's what where good players become great. I always said it to the boys and Tom and Parker. I said, it's easy to play well here, boys. But when you go to France or when you go to uh, London or where you go to the Millennium Stadium, when you go to South Africa, when you go to New Zealand, what you do in a way ground defines you. So what happened last Saturday was very pleasing, but it was very important because we all know that the, the game is decided in the top, whatever, two inches of the hedge. And uh, there comes a moment when everyone doubts, no matter how mentally strong you are, there comes a cracking point and you either break or you kick on. And uh, were we on the ropes and were we uh, we were crumbling or were we being absolutely walloped? Uh, yeah, we were, but thankfully mentally we didn't break as a team. And I think that's where the boys got inspired in the fact that maybe in that dark moment when when they were under the pump, they had that kind of, I'm playing for my first coach. I'm playing for my mother. I'm playing for my wife. I'm playing for my child. I'm playing for, uh, you know what I mean, in Alton Delan's case. You know, I didn't ask him, but, you know what I mean, he, his mum and dad aren't around, you know. So, uh, sorry, his mum isn't around, you know. So, um, it, it becomes quite deep and meaningful, I think, if if there's that, I suppose, connection to family. Um, Ronan, the top 14 takes an eight-week break during the Rugby World Cup. Um, if any of the major international sides were to ask you to help consult with them, would you be interested in doing something like that? <laughs> um, I never thought about it. It's, 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 uh, um, it'll be a time for me to recharge the battery. I need to, I need to rest and get better. You know, that's the most important thing. Uh, of course, you, tell, you know, I mean, uh, an international team, my team. Of that I love is Ireland, obviously. You know that's that never changes. You know I understand. Uh, people would say, "Well, that causes ha- hassle or harm to the Irish team." It's not related for me. It's nothing to do with. It. I think there's good learnings for for the Irish team uh, out of what happened then last Saturday. And uh, is it not related because uh, it's a, the backbone of the team? Obviously, there's a few other players who would make a significant difference. If you type Ireland in that team, it's a it's a different challenge. Somebody who's poaching the ball and a few others as well. Um, no, but it's like me saying it's well, it's well, you know I mean it's 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 not because it's nowhere near the same management group, and you, you, I mean, so it's incomparable in my mind. It's the exact same as saying, well, it's La Rochelle with someone else coaching them. Well, then it's a different team, you know. And I'm not trying to take the credit for myself. Far from it, you know. I just think we have a very good staff here, and we have a very a good playing group, but I think, you know what I mean, the Irish team is very, very different because its leader is very, very uh, different to, to 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 what happens in Leinster. And that's not a slight on Leo or um, Stuart or Goody or any of them because I think they're fantastic people and fantastic coaches. It's just, it's it's a game of tiny margins, Jaron. You know that from with your experience in all sports. Okay, so we shouldn't be too worried about the fact that there's a bit of a template for international sides to play against Leinster slash Ireland. No, because if Leinster score one month score at 17-0, the game is over. They could probably go on and put 40 points on us. Okay. So don't, don't be stressing out just yet about the World Cup you're telling us. 
No, it's in, it's completely unrelated. There's a different absolute mindset for Ireland. It's a different level for Ireland. It's a different coaching group. It's a different playing group. For me, it's poles apart. Okay. One last question. John Hodnett didn't make the squad after Munster's victory at the weekend. I think the whole country thought that he was going to make it. Is there... Does he... Sometimes faces don't fit or... Is no, no, not far from it. No, I just think it's always the most competitive. I think... I mean, John Hodnett is all the... And it's a big compliment I'm going to give me is all the signs of a young Sean O'Brien, you know? And... and uh, he has dog in him and uh, he likes the hard stuff but like he could be next up it could change and happen very quickly for him but he's got to be ready you know it, just because you haven't made it you can be sure that there'll be uh, probably about three people from outside that 42 that have a chance of making it that's how it happens you know They're, they've picked it 42 seems like a lot but it's you mean there's it's only one player outside the current group so there will be injuries there will be potential uh, bolters even even at this stage I think Ron we had uh, Alan Quinnell in studio with us yesterday morning and uh, before we let you go he had a, a tweet out uh, of course after the Munster celebrations if anyone spots my mum in Thilman Park tonight tell her to go home she's only back from Cape Town this morning and on the tear again she told me earlier she was very tired and going to bed early and then I get sent pictures of her in the middle of it you replied <laughs> Mary is more cracked than you this is obviously Mary Quinlan Alan's mother and uh, he replied Alan replied I was no crack because I had to put you to bed every night and that was his yeah. story he was sticking to yesterday. Do you have a, a comment or right of reply? No, no, I think uh, Mary and I would be cut from the same cloth. Quinny would be Quinny would be the, the minder. He's a very kind, spirited guy, but Mary Quinlan is genuinely great crack. You know, I think um, France suits her, the wine suits her, and she's an absolute beaut. We have great crack. She was uh, herself and um, the block, Quinny's dad, was unfortunately passed away were six hours before kickoff in Thorman Park before every game and holy water and blessing us and then but after the game she'd be come on over here now you know and we'll have an old pint ah <laughs> 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 oh, she's fantastic uh, a great woman and all that gr- our group from from we play they're all still in contact and it's fantastic but like imagine her off on a sky to South Africa it's <laughs> Sorry, I lost you. I, I said, imagine her off in a skate to South Africa and she, she's still uh, tearing the arse out of when she comes back to Munster. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> go home, Mary, go home. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Or don't. Keep it lit. Yeah. Ronan, congratulations. Honestly, like it, it, I presume it's beginning to seep in that what you've done is truly remarkable. Like Very few teams have ever managed to retain it. You know how difficult that was from your time as a player and all the great teams that you came up against who couldn't do it but you guys have managed that yeah I'm very grateful very appreciative it's fantastic genuinely and I appreciate the good wishes thank you good stuff take care Cheers. see you lads see you Shane right uh, Ron Regar there talking to us about the um, Heineken Champions Cup final the, the holy water and the, the wine that's brilliant no, combination. He, like, he is one, one of the great coaches and it was funny he was talking with Dunnick Ryan on the TV interviews afterwards Skin. And like how Donica is now one of the great coaches as well because his record is unbelievable. Yeah, like just the first couple of years in, and look what's happened. And the Delan uh, late career, like it's still not that late in his career for somebody who can play second row and back row. He could have another three or four or five years left mm. at this level, at the very top level of European rugby. And Delan's obviously going to be playing in the um, top fourteen final as well, or semi final, sorry, and um, potentially a final to come as well. 
you do wonder if maybe the land could force its way back into Ireland at some point and yeah. uh, maybe whatever it is that um, O'Gara and Ryan are doing on the coaching ticket is helping him to fulfil his potential mm. at this stage so it's funny the, the thousand small things that you talk about you know being important and it, it, that I think Ronan's attitude there is exactly what you'd expect of a top coach it's, it's huge before the match and getting the players built up but then as soon as the game's over oh no that, does, that didn't matter that doesn't matter play it down because you ha- that's that's coaching you get the players up before the match even the, the toss up as you mentioned with Aldred and, and James Ryan and the, the eyeballing like that was clearly something that Aldred used maybe not at the start of the match because the, the start wasn't great from La Rochelle's perspective but yeah, they probably why, utilised it that's why it didn't all seem to make that much sense at the time and so it didn't feel it was important but maybe it is just about creating that the feeling as opposed to you know so the details are actually less important whatever it is doesn't really matter and afterwards people bring them out and they're like oh well, that's not true and that didn't happen or it happened slightly differently or this is and it's like you're kind of missing the point mm. when you start to be forensic about this stuff that it's about the culture of well uh, a lot of stuff is going against us here yeah it's and, just and they we, disrespected us we can stand we can stand and fight or we can go home yeah and then obviously they have some big lads who were happy to stand and fight and kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I agree. And play great rugby. Obviously, it's not just the size; it's the incredible talent that the the um, big men have and their ability to spot when when it's on and when it's not. A reminder: OTBAM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Uh, you can give us your views on uh, what Ronan was saying. Uh, lots of comments coming through about that. Um, tonight Roma plays Sevilla in the Europa League final another opportunity for Jose Mourinho to win uh, a massive trophy and I like this so they finished we were just looking at it before they finished 6th in Serie A and mm. aren't in the Champions League next season but would be of course if this happens all week long Jose Mourinho has been talking about all of the other clubs in European football as you know he's talked about Spurs and how they fired him before he had the chance to win a trophy so screw Spurs you know Spurs gonna Spurs gonna be Spursy aren't they Mr. Levy, Mr. Levy. <laughs> Uh, but then he was asked about Real Madrid and um, is this a similar situation to when you won the Champions League with Inter and he was like oh well, when I won the Champions League with Inter although I didn't have a contract the deal was already done for me to go to Real Madrid so I knew I was leaving right now I don't have a, a, a contract with another club mm-hmm. I don't have another contract it's just all about Roma but I love Madrid I love the president at Madrid everybody knows how I feel about Madrid it's like wow Carlo Ancelotti's like uh, uh, yeah Jose really Mm. Is this how you... Uh, it's like... Backstabbing. So, uh, well, front-stabbing. I, I, yeah. I think that's front-stabbing, Shane. I think that's it. to his face going, yeah, I'm coming for your job, buddy. Or, or it's the Paris Saint-Germain job. I mean, like... I, Jose's back if they win tonight. That seems to be the case. in ready back, isn't In he? European football. Getting to another European final. He's, he's never lost one. Well, loads of teams have reached finals of this competition and not been very good and some of them have been on the brink of being really good afterwards like the Liverpool team who loses under Klopp goes on to win a league and a Champions League so you would say they were a great team um, did Solskjaer reach a final and go out and lose on penalties that's Solskjaer he was a lot of semi-finals what was the 15-14 15, 15, penalties oh sorry they, yeah, Villarreal they lost the Europa League final yeah, yeah they did. to Unai Emery was it yeah yeah, kicking the ball away from winning who was it was that, was that I can't even remember the the uh, the banter bus era has uh, all was that was all sharp. Mourinho won the Europa League with United to beat Ajax in the final in 2017, and he won the League Cup the same year. 
All right. Ringo's a trophy specialist. During the ad break, you're going to hear a clip from the latest episode of the Football Pod where Paddy James and Tommy talk about Derry's main man at the moment, Shane McGuigan. Shane McGuigan is shooting the lights out. Get on board the Shane McGuigan hype train. The lads definitely are, and um, they just have details here in this clip of some of the specifics that he's been capable of. The Football Pod is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the Football, Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Check out the hashtag the toughest for more. We're back after the ads with Tommy himself and his updated power rankings. OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball 3, 2, 1, go Whether you're a Drive to Survive fan or Grand Prix expert now you can stay up to date with the world of F1 The F1 pod on Off the Ball with Chicago Town Pizza The ultimate podcast for F1 fans The F1 pod will keep you on the edge of your seat for the best insight and analysis, subscribe to the Off The Ball Daily podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Coming soon, the F1 pod on Off The Ball with Chicago Town Pizza. Formula One? Yeah, we go to town on it. I thought he was massive for the other night. Yeah, McGuigan was the man. Again, and very similar to what he did in the Ulster final when the shit hit the fan coming down the stretch. He was the man. He was the man looking for every ball. He's a massive leader for them. He has moved himself up another level. If you're talking about right now, informed players in the country, not many ahead of him. He gets a brilliant score from play that kind of sparks that revival coming down the stretch. And then the free over on the far sideline to put Derry ahead in injury time. He, the second it's given, he sprinted over. He's like, give me that ball. I am launching this leadership. Like that's the game's in the mental path. He is like, I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. That's serious stones to do that. Okay, I agree. I think McGuigan definitely top forward in the country at the moment on form. Um, and has the mindset to go along with it, which is even more impressive in my opinion. I think he's super operator. There's an air of sort of invincibility about him at the minute. James, what's it like when you're in that sort of zone? For him to have, to have hit this vein of form, he's going to feel like he's going to feel like nobody can mark him. And he's probably used to marking Chrissy McKagan training, which may, I mean, if he can get the better of him, Realistically, no one can mark him. He's unbelievable off both left and right. When we had him here um, on the pod and we were talking about kicking, he said his warm-up was about 80 shots at the posts. So <laughs> the amount of time he's put into his kicking, like the confidence he must have built up from that. Like confidence, you can't just have confidence, you have to earn it. So he's earned it through training and through reps. Between the years, he's just so in tune to win this all Ireland that uh, he, I'd say he's just completely immersed by it. And when you are in that sweet spot, you're just, he's just going to feel invincible. He's going to feel like no one can stop him. And at the moment, it probably is the case. Some of these critics, these pundits. Generally speaking, I'd be a fan of off the ball. Exactly. And like Tommy knows his football, obviously, listening to football pod the odd time. And I was looking at the power rankings and I thought that Jesus Owen must still be feeling the effects of these mushrooms. But they just dismissed you like, you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion. Tommy knows his football. Tommy, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, Jer. Hey, Shane. Oh, you look at you. Yeah, you're all right. You look a little bit shook this morning. Are you concerned? <laughs> no, no. Just uh, I don't think I've ever been a morning person, Jerry. You're working with me a long time. I thought I mean, you you look well, fitting well, Tommy. Thank you. Spiritually, a little bit concerned about where this is going. You, you, it's like uh, the the power rankings will sort themselves out as the season wears on. We're now past the midpoint, essentially. So. That's that's the thing in this behemoth of a championship with ninety nine games to decide the winner. We are past the halfway mark. Uh, am I am I changing my mind about the the round robin and actually now pretty happy about the fact that 
most of the teams get through? Am I actually, have I woken up to the whole point that like we want most of the teams to get through to knockout so there's no chance of any of the bad teams uh, making it through too far and actually giving everybody the same opportunity to play a load of games is actually improving the standard. Notwithstanding the fact that the football is not great to watch but maybe this round robin thing is actually working. We're not getting into proposal B, are we? No, 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 no. <laughs> but um, we have. Look, a, there's we, a version. There's a version of this that's going to work, right? This is the first year of it. Um, like compare, like I know we're not going to end up, but comparing hurling with football is like chalk and cheese. Like different sports, completely different systems, uh, different formats. We probably need to give this a bit of a chance. This football format, it is a lot of games. It's ahead of a lot of matches, and. There has been a little bit of entertainment value here and there, but like we kind of skirted around it on the football pod this week. I think there's a little bit of football fatigue, maybe, with the amount of matches that are that are there at the minute, the amount of games, like the amount of shadow boxing that's gone on, and I think we're just crying out for a couple of teams to be knocked out. Uh, well, there's a potential for some teams. Not there really, Jerry. There is not really, Jerry. There no, there's not. No, but no. I don't. I don't. I don't want Tyrone to go out at this stage. I want Tyrone to have a do or die game in a preliminary quarter final, and then then we see what they're made of. Yeah, like, but, well, that, but that's going to be box office. It is, and they'll get to that point, haven't had an opportunity to work through whatever issues they have and whatever kinks there are in their system, and likewise for whoever else is going through and whoever else is in that basket of teams who might flare up. And to be yeah. honest, one of the I, I remember you being laughed at by your co-hosts on the football pod when you accidentally said that Ross Common might be contenders. This week, the two lads were talking themselves into it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. had the James turn James declared tables turn. Yeah, the, uh, the All Ireland champions are coming from Connacht, and uh, yeah, that, that. even Paddy, he's like, actually, are they? Previously, it was Paddy like Ross Cullen are going to win the All Ireland. That was a direct oh, quote. Paddy, Paddy's Ross Cullen U-turn has been amazing. Spectacular. Uh, but he's had to, he's had to have that U-turn because what Davy Burke, Mark McHugh, and Jerry McGowan like didn't mention Jerry McGowan on the pod this week, but Jerry McGowan worked with Claire. He's a Sligo man. Worked with Turles Strand. You know, his fingerprints are all over this style of play from his common as well. So um, the Rossies have really, like they've beaten number three and who the team who had been um, number one in the power rankings already. This yeah, year. yeah. And sorry, you made the point that everybody knows exactly what their job is, right? And yeah. the ability to drill that comes through in all the league games, right? And it also now is coming through in these matches too, which means when they reach an all-around quarter-final, they're going to have eight or ten games of preparing themselves to face the onslaught of Dublin or whoever. In this case, they might actually have given themselves an easier quarter-final because of their brilliance so far. So we, we shall see, yeah. right? In fact, that, that group is completely open. It's going to come down to score difference. And like as you said, they may have given themselves a better route. The thing about this All-Ireland Championship, lads, it's the most incredibly open all-Ireland that we've had in so long because every team I would argue has pretty obvious flaws to go with their strengths I 100% agree and all of a sudden this feels like a proper championship I think and there's a real opportunity for yeah, us to it like, does I'm not, I'm not really smashing the format yet here I, like, I just think that you know the leagues they work this Ryan Robin will work there's probably just 30-40 games there in between the league and the Ryan Robin that are Maybe in the wrong place. I haven't got that Gaelic football fatigue at all yet. Like I, I'm going to be going, going to Clonus this weekend. Mon and Clare have never played each other in the championship. Like you know, a novel parent, but also these games. 
each of them means something. As we we were all kind of worried about the opening round of this group because we were like of all of these groups because we were thinking there's no jeopardy. Turns out there is jeopardy. Like Mayo Kerry was a huge game, Derry Monaghan was a huge game, Dublin Ross Common was a huge game because you want to top the group. Toronto Armagh is going to be pretty big this yeah, week. Yeah, well, true. Kildare Dublin is going to be pretty big from Kildare's perspective. Mm. Especially after coughing up a three-point lead after six-seven minutes against Sligo, but uh, yeah. let's let's get to this and see what impact this is having on the um, on the rankings. Okay, let's uh, get into the thirty-three to twenty-five slide four. There's one move here. Um, this now, just to put it on the record, is from the last two weeks. So there's been quite a few games. Wicklow are back too after the height of promotion, winning their first Leinster game, pushing Kildare for sixty minutes. The wheels have come off a wee bit, and two defeats mean that the knockouts are most likely gone is out of their hands they might get away with it uh, Longford have moved up one it's been the opposite couple of weeks for Paddy Christie this has been coming for them they have a massive game this weekend against Carlo they are very impressive last week uh, moving on to slide three Leash have moved up one now they let a six point lead slip against Offaly late on but we're finally starting to see a few green shoots for Billy Sheehan's team they should have a lot more quality than they've illustrated so far this year so they're in the 24th position Antrim Limerick Fermanagh they haven't really moved. They're all in a really good position to, you know, uh, qualify for the quarterfinals of the Tatchin Cup. Uh, Offaly and Mead, even though they've done little wrong so far, have moved back uh, a place each. But that's more so by virtue of Sligo's form. The draw that Sligo got against Kildare probably should have won. That group, again, is perfectly poised and it's uh, they have a great chance to make the preliminaries. <laughs> you know, Sligo and Kildare could both lose the remaining games to Dublin and Roscommon and, you know, proceed to the next stage of the All-Ireland without winning a, a match. Do you know? Mm. That's four matches, no wins, and you're into the knockouts of the All-Ireland. So there's a couple of flaws of this system, but we'll take it, and Sligo will certainly take it if they make it through. Cavan are still in 17th, and we're nearly starting to see the Touching Cup All-Ireland uh, teams correct themselves. Sligo get another good performance or two, they could easily make it into the top 16. They really aren't far off it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and down are 16th. They've come down one point. One down have come out much the same as Mead and Offaly. Um, you know, down have beaten Tipperary and Waterford, like Mead. Facing Mead this weekend, it's live on GA Go at one o'clock in Parnell Park. I'll certainly have my eye on it. Um, I'll be heading to Kerry Cork with James. I'll be watching Tip and Waterford. I won't lie, I'll be keeping an eye on GA Go and that game because I want to see Oran Murdoch. Down's young sensation who's had so much talk about him this year up against some of those Mead younger Mead players Conor Gray in particular who's only 19 and is a, a monster of a footballer I'd like to see what he's like up against a fellow like Murdoch OK uh, so Moving down, on. down are 16 Westmead 15 Kildare 14 so, Yeah so I'll go quickly through these we finally got a glimpse of the slick outfit that won the Talchin Cup last year in Westmead uh, they played really smart stuff against Armagh they strangled the life out of that game at times they were leading from the 14th minute to the 67th mm. until Turbot got that goal I'm not going to call it lucky because Armagh have made a habit of doing that and I don't know why to do anything else other than land poor shots into the square Andrew Mernon really smartly flicked it into Turbot's path uh, Kildare slipped back one are they going to raise their game once more for Dublin they stuttered against Sligo they let that lead slip late on um but they can still make it through. If they can keep the scores down against Dublin, it'll go a long way. If they can beat Dublin, you know, what What are we looking at then? They've obviously come very close in two games this year. It's so hard to know what we're going to see to the Dubs. There's, a, there's an element of fear around Dublin this year. Um, Jerry, you obviously stepped out of line and said that they were going to be All-Ireland champions a couple of weeks ago. I think a lot of people are afraid of uh, just knocking Dublin away too early because of what they've brought back. 
and the the muscles that they flexed. But like, we'll get into it in a minute. It's just something's not right. Uh, Loud have slipped back as well. On paper, that was the game they needed to win to qualify against Cork at the weekend. They are up against it right now against Mayo and Kerry on the last day. Cork have moved up two. Cork at 12th. And I mean, I was listening to, I was listening to James. You know, yeah. he's a long, a long-standing. It is James Donahue's Cork, and then today I opened the Irish Times, and oh, what, what, who do you, what do you think Daryl Shea is saying? It's going to be a massive 25, 25 point win for Kerry, or wait a second, there could be a surprise on the cards for Kerry, a Porky Queeve if Cork turn up. If Cork turn wow. up, wow, wow, I mean, he's go. never said this before. Now I will pick <laughs> up for my colleague James. In fairness to him, he doesn't really ever seem to pay heed to the WhatsApp messages and the Kerry Media Mafia group mm. we'll call them um, like he's very very open in his dismissal of Dublin all year long to the point of you know we nearly don't go to him about Dublin anymore because we know what he's going to say ah, but of course it's it. a fatal it's a fatal flaw on O'Donoghue uh, yeah maybe he's right maybe it's, we're going to see it at the weekend it's that under 21 game where they got hockey by 20 <laughs> points that has um, branded him for life well, I, look. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, if Cork are going to do anything over the next period of time, then there is an opportunity, a small opportunity here, where there is a slightly weakened Kerry. And last year, as he pointed out in Porky Rin, when Roy Keane was in the crowd, they did well for a period of that game until eventually uh, Kerry woke up and started kicking points and yeah. ease ease to victory. And that's what you'd expect to happen. Well, there's been some wild games where Cork have scored early goals in the sunshine, and you know, stranger things have happened. Not many, but yeah, I'm. I had the Parky Queen for the first time this weekend. Really looking forward to see Cork. Uh, we only really got highlights of the Loudon Cork game at the weekend. Paul Flynn did a little bit on Cork's defensive shape. Uh, there was a lot of talk of Cork showing loud players down the the channels. So it sounds like Kevin Walsh is finally getting a stamp on this team. All right, okay. So Cork up to Clare eleventh, Donegal tenth, yeah. Clare eleventh. Yeah, these three teams have not really moved at all this year. Shane will be well aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens to Claremont at the weekend. Think Claire a bit Donegal high? Had- Possibly, but they lost their home game. That's the bit. Like- lost Donegal. They were. It was. A, it was a very very poor second half. That game was on a knife edge. It was always going to be close. Donegal are playing Derry at home this weekend. Um, I, I don't think there's much between all three of them. Clare possibly are a little high, but like Cork haven't shown us enough yet this year to really jump them. Clare haven't shown us enough this year to jump them. Fair enough. Clare there by virtue of the consistency, I think, of the last couple of years and the chance that I think they can spring something against Monaghan. I also watched the Westmead Armagh game and I think Westmead will move slightly higher. Was it David Brady on with us one of the days who said he thinks Westmead will pick a scalp in this in this group? And they were so unlucky not to do it against Armagh, as you said, Tommy. Like they were, like every time the ball comes up to Luke Lachlan, he's brilliant. Mm. like Heslin as well their shooting accuracy is fantastic it was just towards the tail end when Turbot comes on scores that goal for Tudor's enough goal it, it falls to him kindly but Westmead like, they won't fear Galway coming to Cusick Park like, and then they have a, a neutral game against Tyrone one more win and, and they're guaranteed progression they're probably already as you say have a, have, a, have a chance but if they can get something against Galway or against Tyrone I mean they, they have a serious chance I don't see them getting something against Galway even but in I, I, if no, even if but if Tyrone Armagh, if Armagh win that game and they're going into a shootout against Tyrone, who I don't know, like is, is, are we going to see more players leave the Tyrone panel over the next couple of weeks? 
James reckons they're all finally leaving the throne panel. We just don't know what we're going to get with Tyrone yet. Is that um, is, is that just a throwaway because it happens every year comment, or is there rumbling already? A little already? bit, yeah, a little bit of a throwaway comment. Okay. I don't know, I'm not I wasn't sure. sure. So, I thought you were breaking news here. No, no, no. We uh, no, we didn't. We didn't break news this week on the pod. Um, we nearly did, but we didn't. Uh, yeah, it's fairly vague what I'm saying there. Oh. So yeah, we don't know oh. what we're getting. We don't know. We don't know what we're getting. We don't know what we're getting with Tyrone. We okay. just don't like. Okay. We don't know what we're getting with them. And let's move into the top eight. Right. Toronto are eight. A bit of movement here. Every team has moved. Toronto are back to eighth. Yes, they showed character against Galway, but we didn't get a proper reading them. Go from eight to one I so we can like, talk about all these teams because it's all relative in this. Okay. So, yeah. Toronto eight, Armagh seventh, the Rossies are on sixth, Derry are back to five, Dublin are back to four, Mayo are in third. Up to highest new riser. <laughs> and. Galway have slipped into first place. Kerry are back to second. So Galway, Galway are kind of there by default. I kind of hinted at it last week. I, th- I think they are the team showing the most form so far this year. Kerry's defeat to Mayo was worrying, but I don't think it's fatal. It really isn't fatal. It could be the moment that sparks their season into life. We have we have said all along, sure, Jack wanted to finish middle of the league. Sure, they'll get through Munster. Well, they really got... They really got a slap in the face against Mayo. So, is that going to revive their push for back-to-back Sams? Like, I do have slight doubts. But they're in second. Well, especially if they have to come through that preliminary round, which now is a very likely probability. Like, they have an extra game, they have one week's less rest. All those things add up. Yeah, yeah, they do, Shane. And it's one thing, like, they kind of put a bit of stock in Stefano Cumber this year. And I think they kind of plan to use him quite a bit. Another bad injury. Roach and O'Sullivan showed a bit of form in the league, but not enough to say that they're going to make an impact in championship. You know, Paul Murphy hasn't really been fully fit all year. They've no David Moran. It suddenly just feels like Kerry don't have the depth that some of the other teams around them have illustrated. And we're talking about teams playing different systems and horses for courses. It was mentioned on the pod this week, Kerry and Mayo are the two teams that play the same way, regardless of who they're playing against. And... That, funnily enough, might work against both of them. Was it Colin Boyle saying on the, on the evening show recently talking about um, David Moran's absence and the impact that might be having, not just from a midfield perspective, but also in the Kerry squad as well? Like, Yeah, a bit of presence. Yeah, you, you, sometimes you don't appreciate players like that until they're gone. Like Moran, in a funny way, used to nearly get blamed for kind of big Kerry moments or mistakes or you know maybe taking shots late on against Cork in 2020. But he was trying to pull that game out of the bag. Um, they certainly missed the presence and an aggression that I, that was the bit that really got me and it's kind of what's got me with Dublin a bit as well they are missing a bit of aggression like Mayo bullied them in my opinion they they put the chest out and the Kerry lads wilted a little bit so I don't know if we're going to see that this weekend but worrying sign and like the dubs was coming keeping the ball for 5 minutes 45 seconds that was crazy Mick Fitz was the only one Brian Howard put a little bit of pressure on but the second Mick Fitz stood out of line and he tried to make a turnover the Rossies punished them so that lack of cohesion and collective aggression was missing from Kerry. They obviously still have David Clifford and Pawdy. We're not seeing Sean O'Shea's form, but I don't know, lads. I just... <sighs> Galway, to me, I'm really impressed by them. I kind of feel bad putting them in the first place already in the year. It's very early. They may slip back and move back in the first again. There might be a bit of flip-flopping, but I just can't see them putting anywhere else. Like, Jer, the bookies have installed dubs as the favourites for the All-Ireland do you want to convince me they're going to win the All-Ireland I 
I'm wavering a little bit. I'm looking back now at their games in Croke Park. Jerry Rowan back. Kildare in the league, Derry in the league with just the eight points. Like the four goals, fair enough, but like mm. not kicking 15 to 18 points a game. Um, can you turn that on? Can, can a f- switch be flicked to, to attacking shape? I'm not sure. One eleven in Croke Park against Roscommon, and like and the, in, and Croker, uh, sorry, Kildare in the championship and in the league yeah. managed to. Um, and so, what happens when they come up against like the um, your top three teams here? I, I do think Roscommon could knock somebody off really big yeah. in in a big game, like one of our top tier teams. And it, you know, like you don't want to be going through the preliminary quarterfinals because you pick up two injuries and that, and then your team for the quarterfinals oh, what would, what would Dublin have been like if they had uh, Mannion and Calm but they didn't have them because they were injured it's like that's what happens you pick up injuries yeah. well that's it and like McCaffrey's out at the minute Kilkenny went off with a shoulder problem at the weekend Davy Byrne is out we haven't seen Merchant in a while Mick Fitz is just back last weekend like you know you can bring back Cluxton Mannion McCaffrey but we are starting to see chinks in the armour and the only thing I'll say Ger, to what you've said Every team around them, the other big teams, all have issues and all have problems. It's a tricky year to call it. It's not an easy year to do the power rankings. Actually, that's why it's a good championship because I think Monaghan could really cause somebody trouble if they get on a bit of a roll and, and win a preliminary and a, come up against a side in the quarterfinal who are slightly weakened. Like, yeah. would Monaghan fear Mayo in an All Ireland quarterfinal? I don't think so. I don't think they would at all. I think they'd be no. licking their chops going, all right, you're going to be the favourites going into Croke Park. You always deal really well with that, lads, don't you? Yeah. But James kind of said this week on the pod that one of the best things that he's starting to appreciate with the new format is the opportunity it's given to younger managers to learn. And I think Vinnie Corey was the best example of that at the weekend. Like, Monaghan learned their lesson in the beating they got against Derry a couple of weeks ago. They made changes. Uh, Shane, I heard you say that McManus had a knock mm. at the weekend. Maybe he did, but they brought him off the bench. Like, yeah. I don't think you bring McManus off yeah. the bench. Are you sure, I think Shane? Conor McManus That's the word and uh, Jack that McCarran. I heard. And is that, I'm is not going to say yeah. he was dropped, Shane, but I'm going to say horses for courses. Other players were chosen to start ahead of him. Yeah, and I think it, it was the right decision in the end to, to not play McCarran or, or McManus. Like, 100%, you had Shane Carey, Ryan McInnesby back from Australia, by the way, since that last Derry game. So he's come back in and added pace, and he's a former All Star, I think, as well. Like, and Carlo Connell at 35 36 running the show for Monon as well I think any of those teams you've named in your top 9 and I'm including Monon in that uh, can beat any one of the other others in the top 9 in a big game like yeah. if Monon if Roscommon play Kerry or Monon play Galway any of these teams fancy each other um, I think that's I think that's fair lads and like Derry are in 5th the one thing I'll say about Derry is if there was a player power rankings and something we might do after the round robin Shane McGuigan is number 1 at the minute like we heard that clip before the break there yeah He's doing everything like, and I, I know they have a great base and Glass and Rogers and other players playing well like McCaig, but Shane McGuigan, they're just, they're giving him the ball and he's looking for the ball and when things aren't going well in midfield, he's slipping out and he's he's just inspirational at the minute in unbelievable form. So, I think this week, Tommy, I do agree with you about Galway. In fairness, they have a, a style of play, again, a bit like Ross Common, everybody understands what their role is supposed to be. They have the experience from last season. Uh, they had the coaching tickets. They had the strength and depth, and they have players in form. Um, and that would be, I think, reason for them to be uh, number one at the moment. The questions you have about Kerry, 
seem to be a little bit around attitude, but also seem to be around some strength and depth and form, and that's fair mm. enough. With Dublin, what is what are they trying to do from an attacking perspective? How do Dublin think that they're going to win these games at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question, Ger. The players are certainly there. Uh, Cormac Oslo, in my opinion, was the one who kind of brought it last weekend. Khan again is... is it's kind of seems like he's him and hawing when he gets the ball. The, the word I'd use is aggression. Aggression in attack and aggression in defence. And it's a really undervalued skill to be able to bring aggression in a really controlled way. And Dublin were able to do that for so long. They used to play on the edge always throughout that five in a row. And sometimes if your timing's slightly off, that aggression can come out in the wrong way. Or like, just look at the way Kieran Lennon won that ball for his comment at the weekend and, and swung a ball over it his shoulder for a point a couple of minutes in mm. he just he's attacking the ball the dubs seem a little tentative at the minute and oh, like yes it can be switched on Jer, absolutely and I think when there isn't really an insanely standout team I don't think we're seeing teams like we saw with Dublin and Mayo in 2017 or even you know the the Kerry side around that time were, were an incredibly good team. But I don't think we're seeing teams like that yet. I don't think these teams have hit their peak. So I think, yes, teams can switch it on. It's nearly like a club championship that's incredibly open at the minute. They all have flaws and they all have serious strengths. And do you know what it might be? It might be a player like McGuigan that inspires a team to an All-Ireland this year. We might be looking back and saying, that's why they won it. And sorry, but also the Rossies are taking serious heat for that, for especially and particularly that six minutes of possession before the before half time. Yeah. And Kieran Murta scores the point at the end. But is it not on the Dubs to go get the ball yeah, off it them? Is, it is. Like it is. Yeah. That that's that's where I am in it. Like I would have serious respect for what they did, and it was impressive. Now, I'm gonna, anyone who's played football with me would know that I'm. That's probably been to my detriment. I wouldn't be that type of footballer to retain possession and slow it down. Send it along! Uh, I'd be a bit of a purist. Jesus Christ, I was free inside, send it along! Exactly. Yeah. If I have a gym session, I'm going out to the pitch with a bag of balls beforehand and after it. Like that, I just love playing football. So I can understand what was coming out of James Dunn at the weekend when he said, we can't be celebrating this. And he said, tiki-taka is coming. Xavi and Iniesta, you know, tipping the ball back and forth. So... But like that is the game. That is the game we're playing. And Roscommon, now I will say one thing to what James said. James said it's only going to get you so far. And what we saw was Galway are better at doing it than Roscommon. They're a lot further ahead than Roscommon at this. But Roscommon, as Jer said, are going to do damage in this championship again this year. They are. And but they, 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 so the, put some the, respect on the Rossies. Like, put some respect on them. Fair enough. The base that Galway are coming off is much higher than the base. Like Roscommon have closed the gap way quicker than anybody could have possibly foreseen. They're now, we now think that they would have a chance in any game against any of the big teams in Croke Park in All-Ireland quarterfinal day. And that we think that's where they're headed at this stage. You know, that's top eight in the country. Like, on form, having had the circuitous route of this round robin, Super Sweet 16, whatever you want to call it. Mm. I, I think that's an incredible... Like, he's manager of the year candidate at, as it stands. If you're, if you're having your manager of the year candidate at the moment... You'd have to have him and, I guess, maybe Mayo and Galway at the moment. Um, but that's the thing. Yeah, well, well, do we say do we say management of the year or do we say management ticket of the year? Yeah, coaching coaching team. It probably coaching is the, the latter. Like it, you, you mentioned, you talk about Vinnie Corey making learnings. Like Davy Burke will, will have learnings from that Ross Common defeat to Galway. Like you, you said, Galway are better keeping the ball than Ross Common. Hundred percent they are. But well, Ross Common won't set up the, the same. 
it's not that they're better at keeping the ball it's they're better at punching holes I think this yeah finding the gaps Galway, Galway had that control and they were able to like Mayo couldn't control the momentum against Roscommon because Roscommon set the terms of engagement they did the same against Dublin the surprising thing was Dublin had done it for so long Dublin were the original perpetrators of this but they couldn't they didn't have the aggression to take it back at Roscommon the last thing I'll say about Roscommon is they were always dismissed as being a soft touch they always had the forwards, the bit of class. Like Kieran Murta, Dieran Murta, the Smiths, Connor Cox. Connor's these boys up. are around a long time. Yeah. Ben O'Carroll. They're around a long time. But they now have that bit of edge and strength and aggression and depth and smarts out the field. Some quick so comments. They could uh, do damage. Um, somebody here making the point about poor Derry. Oh, yeah, poor Derry. Ah, poor uh, Derry. They're because... in fifth. Like, they're all <coughs> but... Let me read the comment first. <laughs> uh, Sam again says... I'd say it's ludicrous for Derry to come through Ulster, play our man in the Ulster final, and then Monaghan again. Now they're off to Donegal next match. They're not getting it easy, in fairness. In okay, fairness, sorry, they're not getting jump, it easy. It is. Jumping down Sam's throat. Yeah, and like Donegal and Bally Bay, it's a cliche, but like they do not lose many matches there. And while they were terrible in the first half against Clare, Ocean Gallon and Kieran Thompson are shooters. And when you've got shooters, you've got a chance. Sorry, but it's the same. Uh, woe is Derry. Monaghan had to play Tyrone, Derry, Derry again. Next up is Clare, and then they've played Donegal. Like, sorry, it's it's the same for Monaghan. Like. We should try and wait right, well, it so that. Yeah, or you can just wake up in Ulster and say, right, we'll put that provincial championship a little earlier in the year, and then it'll all be fair for everyone. Uh, there's no jeopardy, no intensity in the games with the crowd and with the format. When a player is injured, they can miss a few championship games, which is hard to take from their perspective. Mm, I don't know. It says Michael, like if you're injured, you're going to miss games anyway. Should we wait six months to the next game so that all the injured players can? I'm like what? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and who makes the semi-finals now, Tommy? Top four. I think there's a few twists and turns yet because the I way think, yeah. the way that the draws are going to happen, some of the top four teams might end up having to play an extra game, and they'll be weakened. It'll be a yeah, yeah. Sixteen games this weekend, Jer. Football bonanza. Every county, every team in action, apart from New York, who are in the preliminaries already in the Tajan Cup. I think we'll have a better idea after this weekend of where things stand. This week's version of Tommy Rooney's power rankings is in the books Tommy thanks very much thanks boys see you soon somebody's critics these pundits generally speaking I'd be a fan of off the ball exactly and like Tommy knows football obviously listening to football at the odd time and when I was looking at the power rankings and I thought that Jesus almost will still be feeling the effects of these mushrooms but they just dismiss you like you know you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion uh, traffic permitting we're going to have on Coggins you had to be there at around about 9 o'clock or maybe 5 past 9 in the meantime spoiler alert Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about succession for the next half an hour. Join us if you've seen it, if you're up to date and uh, you want to, um, then do please stay with us. Shane's leaving, he's going to be replaced by Sue Murphy and Colm. Uh, Rory O'Connor in the ad break here talking about Andy Farrell's squad on last night's show with Joe. I think, I suppose the big talking point is maybe we didn't get a red wave on the back of Munster's, Munster's run. Some people, maybe like recency bias, you know, a lot of them haven't been in a lot of squads and, and Ireland do put a lot of store in how much time you've been in with them because you know their system. And if you're playing catch up at the start of a World Cup, they can't necessarily get onto the work that they want to do if people are catching up. I think Jean Klein is very unfortunate. He's never been in an Andy Farrell squad. So that, what I just said is, um, is very relevant there. And I think that's the reason he hasn't made it. I think on form, he should be ahead of Kieran Treble and Joe McCarthy. McCarthy's just back from injury. Didn't make the Leinster squad for the European um, Cup. He was on the bench for the Munster semi-final. Um, 
a huge potential player but in 2023 you, you're not really picking on potential you, be, you should be picking on what you can do in the here and now and we've seen John Klein develop his game in the last year he was a controversial call four years ago because he'd never played for Ireland and he got parachuted in ahead of Devon Toner I think he'd be a very justified call if he was in there now he's been one of the players of the season and he, he can be, feel hard done by um, but he just has never been in a squad never trained with Ireland in the last four years and just would have too much to do to catch up is, is the word that I've heard um, Kilcoyne ahead of Lockman is a big call because Lockman, Lockman's been picked for Munster and Kilcoyne hasn't been in their, in their 23 for their big games recently um, I think John Hodden it was a shout but and there's no cover for Josh van der Fleer you know there's no like for like seven to come into this if Van der Fleer gets injured. Same with Hugo Keenan. There's not really a like for like. You're looking at Jimmy O'Brien or Mac Hansen. Could Mike Haley have gone in there? At the, you know, he's in the same boat as probably John Klein and John Hodnett. But really, there's no massive headline call. Like there's no there's no one there that you'd you can make a case for any of those. Mm. But really, you're talking about players who are who are battling for the, for those spots in the 33. You know, there's nine players from that squad who are not going to make the World Cup in France. And and the players that I'm making a case for are very much in the on the cut line within that squad. If you know what I mean. So yeah. I think you know there's no one there's no outrageous call that's left us all shocked here. And, and we never expected there there would be either. Right. How, how does everybody feel now you're hearing the music? Cameron, good morning to you. Sue, oh, good hello. morning to you. Morning. Now well, that you're, you see it's amazing. There. Turns out Maggie shot Mr. Burns. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Irish ma- people made a fortune on that when they came home from their J1s and found that there were odds <laughs> up in the bookmakers. <laughs> True story. Paddy Power ended up paying out a load of money to um, a lot of people paid for this. Not me, unfortunately. It was the year before. But anyway, Succession is over. We played in there with the Succession team tune. It's one of the great theme tunes, isn't it? It is, yeah. My buddy's getting married soon and it's considered as his entrance music. Oh, God. That's a good idea, actually. Ooh. You never skip it, empire. do you? Like, yeah. you just let it play. You know when you're watching yeah. something and you're just like flying through episodes, you're like skipping theme tunes? Never. Just let it play. Yeah. This season, I was like, uh, I'm going to make point of listening to this now because it's not going to be a feature of my life that much more. I did have as my ringtone a couple of years ago before everybody got on board the succession and then I couldn't do it anymore. No, wait now. Too. I was the one who suggested succession to you. And you weren't aborted at the start. That's Sue, you, mm-hmm. you're gaslighting me here. No, I'm not. Ooh, Mandela <laughs> Nice. You were like, really? Tell me you're the canary in the coal mine was exactly your words, actually. <laughs> well, it, like, because, I mean, we definitely were on board from very early on. Yeah, you were. Like episode two. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. John the Baptist here. <laughs> okay, in fairness, Sue has, excellent, Sue has excellent taste on TV. And if you need recommendations, oh, um, make sure you follow her. Uh, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the end? So there will be spoilers here if you haven't watched the latest episode mm. of Succession and you don't know what happens at the end, then we're going to ruin it for you. So turn off, come back in 40 I think, minutes. I think we're covered. We've given people fair warning. Yeah, a nice, nice, nice general watching. intro as well. And can't yeah. believe it. Ticket yeah. at the bottom of the screen. Um, I was happy for Tom. Is, oh, that, no. is that wrong? I mean, yeah. I was actually. I thought yeah. it was great. Yeah. I was like, it's, oh, it's, fair play. Well, it's, oh, fair play. it's the uh, cockroach that survives the apocalypse, isn't it? <laughs> so. I, I respect yeah. Tom. I respect Tom and his temperament, and it's the one thing he had that the kids didn't. He always had good temperament. He was always willing to take it. And it was probably Shiv's biggest downfall. Because Shiv, I think, is the best of a lot of them. I think she's the smartest kid. No. Yeah, I think, I think she is. I think yeah, she, she has the most. The I think she has the most about her. What? But the biggest problem she has is she has this instinctive reaction. She bad gets really news. excited. And so. then, like at the dinner table, Sue, you were talking about one of your favourite episodes mm. when she messed it up. Like, I was going to use another adjective there. Yeah. But she absolutely ruined it for herself. And the same when Tom told her it was going to be me, her reaction straight away, like, she should have just stayed calm and be like, okay, 
Okay, go away and think about it. So I think she's the best. But I think she had the most knowledge, <laughs> well, by far. But Tom's temperament. I mean, are they still overall. technically? They are still technically, but like at the end where she can't hold his hand but is touching his hand is amazing yeah I know it's brilliant brilliant, because I didn't know how they were going to end that yeah like a king waiting for the orb yeah no like I felt really sorry for her because do you know what you're kind of rooting for them to have a relationship at the end and then you're like wait now they're both terrible people (laughs) yeah I think he's slightly less terrible than um, is he though I think he is no I don't think so I don't know I I think think he's probably the worst his strength is that everyone underestimates him you didn't kill a man uh, like he's now the CEO of the company. Kendall. Kendall did. He didn't kill a man. Well, he, he covered did. up. Well, he did. He did. Well, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Sorry, he would be guilty of manslaughter if they were ever... Yeah, manslaughter. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. He didn't so kill a man. He did. He did he kill a man. No, I would, no, 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 no I he did. Say, I would say he should have done prison time for it, but I don't think he killed him. Okay, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, but, but he but didn't... Uh, he it's didn't. his fault that he's dead. Yeah. Therefore... Exclusively his fault. I don't think... Guy isn't dead. his fault. For Kendall. Like, he tried to save him. He made him get in the car. He tried to save him. Drunk. But that was after he was in the both, water. They were both he solicited him to ship. go drunkenly and drugged up by drugs, and is therefore, you know, he would be complicit in his death. It, I think it, his covering up of it is where he's most guilty for me. Well, he's also not, it's not, not, that wasn't incident. his fault. That was his dad. I, I don't think no, he, tried, he went back to the wedding and was like, I'm going to change clothes and go back as if nothing happened. Yeah, well, like, wow, that's yeah but that's event. a kind of shock reaction. I don't think he would have been able to cover it up without his dad. Uh, no, sorry, his dad's also complicit. He's also yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. an accomplice in the cover-up of the uh, manslaughter of this murder. poor young boy. Um, <laughs> well, there was no malice aforethought, so I suppose technically it wouldn't be murder. Um, but, like, sorry, let's just power rank them here in terms of their worseness. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Tom. Okay. Tom's number one. Yeah, Tom is the worst. No. Because, like, they're all part of the family, right? So they've been living with this for their entire lives, and it's kind of their game. How, like, you know, who's going to come out on top? But Tom actually goes in there to become the best. He marries into the family. No, he wants no, no, to take no, no, over no. the company. A, no, he no. is so sinister. He's a really, really Tom, sinister Tom character. Is the, Tom is the Polonius character here. He's just being underestimated. He's there because he's useless. That's like, being kind the, to him. That's why <laughs> That's why he's put in at the end, because he's head of this puppet government now. He's the Philip Pétain of, the, like, of Waystar Royco. He never defends his wife. He try like he's on the plane with Logan when he dies, and he's immediately trying to put himself in the forefront of this. Totally screws his marriage because he wants. And there's that scene where he tells Shiv what he wants for the first time. I like money. I want to be head of this company. I like. Nice he things. knows what he's doing. He's been playing yeah. the game for the entire. Can I, can his I, wife. She's awful to him. Like yeah, horrendous to him. Yeah, but he knew what he was getting into. But he knew what he was getting into. So. Uh, he Why would knew he what he was getting into and then she lived down to all of his worst expectations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you, you have Tom as number one. Who, who, Cameron, do you have? As the worst? Yeah. Oh, I think it's got to be Logan. Obviously Logan. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Logan, yeah, yeah. Logan's off the no table No humanity. Here. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, in terms of the most evil things done throughout the series or just general look no no you're bringing criteria and logic <laughs> okay and right that's like clearly what's not your allowed. gut feeling I would say personally and this is a complete outlier I think Uncle Ewan is probably the second most evil character in the whole series whoa the Greg's granddad because he constantly goes on about how he hates having this rich money yet he's 
perfectly willing to lap it up when Ro- Logan yeah. offers it to him. He makes Greg feel like shit the entire way through the series well, because he's taken the bank. Well, exactly. <laughs> but he is the biggest hypocrite in the entire series because he pretends he's living this hermit lifestyle even though he's sitting on what? Like quarter of a billion? Yeah, but, but he, vo- he votes against the deal at the end, which I thought was interesting. Didn't get his percentage shareholding. We never found that out, did we? No, I, I don't remember. So, um, he does have that great line about how Logan Roy and by extension Rupert Murdoch are some of the worst humans that have ever lived and the damage that they've done to all of society by denying uh, climate change has has been I think that was a really brilliant moment in the whole series Mm -hmm. where you so this is um, because I remember we were talking about this um, it might have been during lockdown and Daniel Harris was making the point this can't be one of the all time great TV series because who cares about um, what happens with this this company but actually the power of those massive companies to twist yeah the news agenda and to incite the hatred. The election. Well, yeah. like th- that was that was obviously like uh, fake. But the stuff about climate change and all the other hate and bile that they spread through Fox News, through the New York Post, that's real. Like that's all. That's all just cut and paste from real life and put it on the screen. And Uncle Ewan had the bit where he just. Um, 40 seconds of absolute takedown I was like but can still take his coin that's it he's a complete hypocrite (laughs) but sure uh, maybe he like the way the companies work someone has to be at the boardroom going that's wrong you're all evil you're scumbags I can't believe you're doing this at least at least there's a tiny semblance of voice and giving all of Greg's money specifically to Greenpeace was a genius move that was one of the all time great can I kind of like sue Greenpeace can I, is there a way oh, I forgot it? about that that was oh, oh come on so I actually shave the children comedic effect I think <laughs> Uncle Ewan um, that'll do pig that'll do he's he's one of my favourite characters so of the kids of the potential successors Cameron you neatly side shift uh, um, oh of the potential successors Kendall Definitely. He's the worst. Because mm. he opens the floodgates. It's why, like, my fourth, well, my fifth favourite character is Jess because she's like a moral compass for Kendall throughout. Mm. She sticks by him when she thinks he's doing right. And Jess and new Jess. Yeah. Jess and new Jess, exactly. And then when she leaves, that's kind of an indication that that's the depth that Kendall's sunk to now at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's abandoning she's his own daughter and even Jess is starting to walk away. Okay, this guy is too far gone, I think. So I think he is probably the most evil. He ultimately has the say. Like, Roman is terrible and, you know, that's undeniable. But Kendall ultimately has the power. I don't think Roman's terrible, actually. You don't think he's terrible? No, I don't think he's terrible. I think there there is humanity down he's in a there. Sex pest. Yeah, look, there's you know, loads of problems. I'm w- not saying that. Workplace sex pest. <laughs> he just that whole like the scene in the boardroom where he realizes Jerry is there and she's going to see him. Mm. I thought he was going to break into the Joker for a couple of minutes. I was like, "What's happening here?" He was just like, "I don't want to see me like this. My scars, my scars." I thought I just—he's so in need of love. He just wants somebody to love him, and I genuinely felt sorry for his character. He literally presided over one of a, a huge explosion of a satellite. Oh, <laughs> amazing! <laughs> yeah. and just, and and just washed his hands. Literally washed his hands immediately <laughs> after. How do I cover this up oh, really just, quickly? Just a few missing thumbs. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I've been sitting here listening to all your candidates and I, I can't believe we're not agreed on I, I think by far the worst person is Roman he is he's a terrible person to other people he is awful like the very first episode yeah, he, the check with the kid and rips it up in his face and oh, laughs yeah. at him 
that's a great point the explosion I totally forgot about that overseeing uh, Mencken getting in as president that's kind not, of the worst not caring yeah. at of, all of about all the what things happens that they the did country. the bit where it's like that's and then the, that's when, what the fascist in charge and the one thing with Shiv is that she actually like her political leanings are relatable in some way she actually is kind of leans blue a bit and yeah, some of her points, yeah, you're kind of on board with her. And when she's like, I really do care about this country, I question that. But then Roman's response is like, oh, who cares? It's who cares? Like, he'll get in. It doesn't matter. We'll be grand. Who cares? He is awful to everybody else outside of his own family. The only reason he manipulates the viewer into feeling sorry for him is because he's terrified of his father. Oh, And uh, he's yeah. a victim of physical abuse. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And so he cowers. And so what's the instant reaction from one human to another when someone cowers and they're very vulnerable it's like oh I feel sorry for him he's a teddy bear and he needs a hug but he he wouldn't even think twice about crossing you not even but twice whereas Kendall they're all terrible but Kendall at least would hesitate before doing it just like with Mencken when he's like oh I really shouldn't be doing this I will I mean I'm not, Kendall's not a good person but at least Kendall at least he wrestles a bit with morality like he wins morality loses all the time but he has a fight Mm. Roman's like I'm not even getting into the ring I don't care he's completely broken and his father dying is the end of him as a person um, the the counter argument to that is that he's just realistic and he lives in the real world where the that, other ones are pretending which makes him worse again he actually has self-awareness and he's still like that Michael John Harris says Jesse Armstrong's stage description for that scene with Shiv and Tom in the car at the end was like two bombs being transported how amazing <laughs> is that lads um, yeah. yeah, I can't wait to uh, actually because I've ignored almost everything until finishing the last scene. I've, I, I know nothing. I heard bits about how they all hated each other. Or, sorry, they did not hate each other. That um, the actor who plays Brian Cox. No, the actor well, Brian Cox went famously yeah. was explaining that he hates Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong is uh, Kendall. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and is. Uh, a significant method gets deep into it, so I, yeah. I only tangentially knew about this because I didn't want to read anything. Because there's always there's always a nugget of a spoiler somewhere along the way. Yeah. Um. And so the scene at the end, oh yeah, was actually the last scenes they filmed. They went off to wherever in, in the Caribbean to film with the Ma, and where they're like putting all the stuff in. Yeah. The the tree the, witches. Yeah. They were like uh, freelancing a good bit when it came to putting the stuff in and making them drink it. Yeah. And they were like. And there's a scene on the beach where they're bitching about how much they hate him and how they'd love to drown him. And they weren't <laughs> acting. It's an impression of they, were, they weren't acting. It's the actor like, doing oh. an impression of Jeremy Strong. He, but apparently he finished he finished his work on March 1st and has just not been in touch with anyone from the series since. He's just like, that's done, that's finished. But he also, you know the scene at the end where he's like looking into the water? He ran into the water when they, they, they said cut and the guy who plays the security guard had to like run in after him because he was like, so in character he wanted to see what it felt like to run into the water because he felt like that's where the character was going so they said cut he ran into the water your man had to like pull him out (laughs) mad that is mad (laughs) it's very unfair yeah Um, I don't think he I don't think he I I think that he was gonna spend his two billion that he just he was just like downloading the next time he went to the bank yeah I think that um, who do you think is the worst then uh, I don't know. I, I think that there's like the Holy Trinity, indivisible, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, as St. <laughs> Patrick taught us, that um, they are indeed all three of them. Like, About each other. I do think that Roman killed it. Like, with the, this is all bullshit, we're bullshit, we're not serious people. Like, that's the echo of, of his dad's words. Yeah. Mm. Um, to them. Well, no, it's, no, 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 sure. He was in contact with them afterwards. 
He, he was in contact all the as time. As a group. As a group, maybe. Yeah. But um, What a way to end it. No, did they not have the karaoke session after that? No, no, no that that's it. during the karaoke where Connor sings what famous blue raincoat <laughs> by Leonard Cohen. You're oh, Not Serious Connor. People was actually... You're Not Serious, he walks away and then that's the end. He has text um, conversations with Roman. But that's it. Doesn't he call Roman? He calls he Roman does. to tell him to fire Jerry. He does. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but as a group, like that's his parting words to all of them because they won't listen to him. I thought the You're Not Serious People was the night that they came in and said, oh, we've got control of the company. He's like, I just gave your mother's boyfriend the place in London and completely rewrote the constitution no, of the, the company. The last episode of the previous season. This is very early for And season. is that not when he says You're Not Serious People? Yeah, that's the very last thing he says. To them. It's in that dimly lit bar and he goes into a room and he's like, can we turn this down? And they're like, no. He's like, all right, I'll just say it here then. Uh, he, he actually misses them at his birthday party. He walks around and he's a bit like, oh, my kids aren't here. I remember he walks around, he's asking like Carl and Frank, who by the way are great and they should have their own spin-off. Yes. He's asking them, <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, it's, a bit, uh, it's a bit heavy in here. Anybody have some jokes? Because he really misses his kids. He really misses yeah, Roman. Yeah. He really misses like what the, he's done to them. The let's do the roast thing. Yeah, but yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, <laughs> nobody else will understand them. Also that, um, <laughs> that scene when... Um, Brian Cox is doing the losing presidents backwards and then Carl sings and the kids are watching on and they're crying. Like, I feel that that was just the actors hanging out and they filmed it and it was like, this is actually brilliant. We can use this. It was excellent. And you can see how you can see how Logan is so charismatic there that he's built this empire because as evil as he is and as horrible as he is to other people, he does have that charisma about him that you actually kind of want to hang around with him. Because when he's not being abusive, he is entertaining. I think it's America. He made everybody money. That's all that matters. Yeah, but you can also, a lot of people make a lot of people money, but yeah. this guy has a, a way to manipulate people. Yeah, like to, what I felt about that scene actually is that the same thing I felt about them all the way through. No amount of money is going to correct what's wrong with these people. <laughs> you know, you know yeah, they're just the, um, so broken and nobody loved them. Like, they're, like, we. We haven't even talked about their mother. Like, their father is like one of the worst oh, people ever. Their is, mother who needs yeah. to be the person yeah. in their life that looks after them that's and takes care of them. one of my favourite episodes <laughs> is yeah. the one where they go to England and Logan brings Kendall to the house of the boy to the parents because they're going to sue because they're blaming God, yeah. And Kendall's sitting in the kitchen stewing while the kettle is boiling in the background like he's boiling and brewing and having to... And he's not um, privy to anything that's going on in the room beside. And then he goes back to the mother and she's like, oh, bit bit heavy for this time of night. Maybe over an egg tomorrow morning and then it's yeah. gone. It's incredible. Oh, such good TV. Yeah, she's a horrible person. But it's and amazing. He, yeah. he then go back and put cash to the door? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's gone back. <laughs> what a scumbag. <laughs> it does. Here's it does. the money that for your dead son that I could have like, you know, told you all about straight away and maybe... But that's what I mean. That's what he does. Like that's his uh, morality conundrum he has all the time. Is this is how I'm going to fix it with but money? They've had nobody yeah. to guide them. Ah, yeah, for they're, that they're, night. they've had sure nobody screwed. to show them how to be proper human I, beings. I heard they, someone as well when they have the fight at the very last scene when like Kendall tries to break Roman's face and then Shiv gets involved. Yeah. someone said, "Do you remember Shiv said at the funeral the eulogy that?" Uh, Oh, when we were kids, we always used to mess around in the office. We'd be terrified of him, and it was like that's probably what they used to do as well yeah, when they were kids. They haven't grown up, and he'd go out and scream at them. Yeah, but yeah. like that's completely his fault. Like <laughs> it's all his fault. Yes. Uh, well, they they bear some responsibility, and you know, at some point they they. Are but he's so uh, overbearing. I mean, uh, like everyone's responsible for how they turn out themselves, but he's so overbearing on them that they hadn't the hope. 
they had they always went back to him this is what I could never understand when you're watching it yeah Stockholm Syndrome the the actual episode where he died I actually turned around to Mick and I said I can't continue to watch this if this is just you're next no you're next no you're this person no it's you and then when he died I was like oh great now we actually have some kind of a a focus Mm. on what's going to happen here the happiest Connor because he never really yeah. got involved. Yeah, I always thought there was something Connor more with Connor. I always thought there was something darker with him when they had that botched intervention with Kendall at the end of season three in Italy, and he um, he reacts when Kendall says, "I'm the oldest boy," and he's like, "You're not the oldest boy," oh, and then he yeah. says something about his own childhood. Yeah. Like how he didn't see his father for three years and then he storms off. He ends up being the most satisfied of life because yeah. he never got involved, and also Logan had zero time for him. They all had zero time for him, particularly Logan no. to Connor. No, no. Yeah? Connor yeah. is taking the piss out of him in that video that you thought was staged. Yes. Connor is allowed to take the piss out of him because he's not a threat. Mm. Yeah. Connor's not a threat. He had t- Logan had time for him. Uh, I, I think in his own way, that was the only relationship where there was some kind of reciprocal love because, you know, you're like the happy clown of the family, um, but you're absolutely no threat. He gives him all the money for the presidential election. Yeah, and he like, calls him a joke. He says you're embarrassing me. Yeah, but he, that's what he thinks about everybody. But he doesn't even look at Connor. He looks through Connor. Even in that scene, he's not even looking at Connor when but he does. But he that. lets him away with it. He he thought he likes having him around. He's 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 that's, how, that's how little time he has for him. He's yeah. like, I'm not even going to bother no, with you. He's, he's oh. completely ancillary to the whole family, which is why he calls him Pop instead of Dad. I think there's a. I think that I think that there's like um, an acceptance of like, okay, I, I'm allowed to have these people. It's why Greg is allowed to continue being around <laughs> as opposed well, to Greg just is for a the, Greg is lethal, like. Uh, uh, well, Greg, Greg is kind lethal. of operating on Greg's a different, a <laughs> different yeah. level to everyone else, um, to be fair. Greg is also one of the all-time great characters and incredible, incredible performance. Like, if he goes on to have a Sasha Baron, Baron Cohen-style career, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. Yeah, yeah him or Nathan Fielder. Reminds me of What's the political Fielder. slogan that he and... Uh, we hear for you. That's so funny. That's, that's brilliant. But <laughs> so many good... Them like, trying to decipher that is hilarious. When Caroline is going through Tom and Shiv's wedding and she's like, how long do you give it? And his immediate reaction is... Is there doubt afoot? That is my favourite line in the whole show. Yeah, so, I, I loved when oh, him and Tom are like locked in the room, like throwing stuff at each other when they think there's right. a bomb threat. It's there's just a, so like that window's big enough for an attack child to come <laughs> through. The only thing about Kendall too, um, the very first episode of season two, he's whipped out of rehab within 48 hours, right? Mm. That's probably one of Logan's most evil acts. And after a few episodes, when Kendall's doing everything Logan says, Logan says, uh, oh, but how are you feeling, by the way? And then Kendall's like, uh, I'm okay, I could do a little downtime. And then Logan's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he never gives it to him. No. So he never went, he never got the rehab he needed. No. So most people think, well, he's going to fucking end it all now, like after what happened. But no. if he goes to rehab, he has a chance of rehabilitation. And also Shiv actually does have a chance of doing something good now because she's away from the family completely. Yeah. Well, she she was the one who had experience outside the family, which I think is always unbelievable. There, yeah, I was like, "You've no experience." Yeah. Like, she had a ton of experience. She was actually someone people listened to in political circles about things before she came into the group. Yeah, you know? it was funny though that nobody had any friends ever. Like, um, Shiv's only friend was was yeah, who actually was Kendall's friend. Yeah, and then Kendall and Stewie. Stewie. Well. Stewie's a great friend. Stewie's a great friend giving his um, <laughs> coke addicted uh, friend cocaine and, you know, then betraying him the first opportunity he gets and using him for as a source of uh, gossip to trade in Wall Street. Uh, you know, friends like that. Who needs enemies? Sticks around, though. Good, good theory um, from, I can't remember now what it was on, but um, there's your alarm. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so Tom is basically the American hick version of Logan and that Shiv 
part of what's going on, part of the thing here is that she's ended up just marrying her father. So Logan and Ewan come over in the boat, huddled, uh, silent, waiting for the Nazis to kill them. Mm. And then he's the gauche kind of outsider who marries into the aristocracy and gets credibility by making money. And that's exactly what uh, what Tom has done. Um, and the theory goes was she thought she was the outsider, but Tom is the outsider because mm. oh, she went and joined the Democrats. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm the rich. I'm the rich funneling liberal. our money into the Democrats and my brother is funneling the money into the Republicans and we, we're wielding our power that way. Oh, what an outsider I am. <laughs> I'm for the little guy, the rich Democrats, yeah. uh, which I thought was just a pretty interesting Yeah. Well, it turns out that Shiv was just an attention seeker the entire time. I wouldn't be surprised if the whole reason she joined the Democrats was more of a provocation to her father than anything oh, else. Oh, I'd say it was. He, she wanted him to pay attention to what she was doing, definitely. Completely. But that's back into my point about Tom, though. Tom knew what he was doing the entire oh, time. Oh, completely. And Tom had, le- like, you're always saying, like, Tom is the calm one in the room. He is. He is paying attention to everything Absolutely. Logan is but saying like, yeah, all the when, way through. When it's he, a fluke. Yeah. It's a fluke. He... It's a I don't think it is. It's a no, I really I think don't think it's, it's it is. I think there's it, something that snaps in him after the um, the scene on the balcony. No, after the tribunal when they're oh, going yeah. into the cruise and yeah. stuff, and they, they see how <laughs> and they go to go to prison. Yeah, and they see he so sees he <laughs> sees how willing they are to just let him be a corpse knocking at their hole. And then after that, into season three, his demeanor totally changes, and you can see when he says to Shiv, "Oh, it's me, by the way." Yeah. Um, as the CEO, there was a line in The Fight by Norma Mailer that really reminded me of where he describes the knockout punch that Ali gets on George Foreman as the blow he saved for a career. And you can just see the way he says it, the subtle, it's me. Yeah. That's, he's been stocking that up and waiting for the moment he can actually put the shiv into shiv. Yeah, but I'd like, I'm sorry, the way that he reacted after she said she was pregnant was just I could, like how does anyone react like that about what do you mean I completely no, I totally understand why he thought she was lying yeah it completely, no. yeah, it's all, we're a family no. of degenerate yeah. liars I, who would say anything <laughs> do anything I thought they were I thought they were let me hear the heartbeats to be genuine now in fairness she is playing to the camera instead of actually playing like you know that thing where she'll say something to him she kind of turn around and her eyes will well up but no why like, would he believe her sorry like there isn't even a flick of Oh my god! You know he doesn't. Need, it's straight away. Are you lying? Like that's coming from. She's so manipulative. Like uh, she's. Uh, yeah. So, I, so why didn't believe Logan was dead? Like I thought they were joking. I, I, th- I thought it was I a strategic. Oh, so like, did I? Yeah, I, was, I, I, I don't trust any of them. <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking he was going to come back. That's what Tom's doing the whole way through that scene. He's I, basically giving them all the information except the one thing they actually want to know is whether he's alive or not. Otherwise, he's irrelevant. He's loving the power of it. That's it. He's irrelevant as soon as he tells them the power of being able to tell these people that their father is. Dead. I thought Kendall was going to die evil. when they made him the king's meal. I thought, like, I thought the worst in every scene. <laughs> well, when he's when he's swimming out to the, I thought thing, he's going to. I gonna, actually said it out loud and got loud. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> it's like so. Oh yeah, I was very involved with that. Break, breaking up relationships all over the world. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, we, we do we have to go? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Has anybody, any any here. final thoughts? Tom's evil. That was it. Oh, Tom's evil, yeah. That was my, my hot take. Like, and I, I'm really glad he died, actually, because it just, it was going around in circles. I was getting a little bit sick of it. You were getting bored. I was getting bored, yeah. Were you? I was, uh, I thought yeah. they landed the, the final couple of episodes really well. I do think that it's now catapulted into all-time greatness. Um, yeah. It's in the yeah. conversation with all the other yeah. ones. I, I, but I think it's one of those things you'd have to let sit for a while, and I think it definitely needs a rewatch. 
which is one so. of the very few series I go back and say I need to rewatch this from the start. We've I, I made this point every time we talk about it, but every every new season we'd rewatch the previous season in mm. full. So, mm. but I'm really looking forward to rewatching this whole last season. We were talking about just watching the last episode again, but actually because when you watch it the first time, I always watch it now with subtitles as well because this dialogue is so intense, it's so, and so fast, dense yeah. that it's it's really worth it. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, hopefully we haven't spoiled it for anybody who was unaware. Oh, but, <laughs> there you You're go. still listening now. It's, own fault it's now. your own fault. It's been <laughs> Sue Murphy, thanks very much. Have no you got any other recommendations? At the moment, I'm yeah. in the middle of Yellow Jackets. Actually, I just finished the first series. If you're not watching that, it's great. Okay. Really, really enjoying. Have you seen Yellow Jackets? No. Oh, it's so good. It's kind of like a modern Lord of the Flies, but women instead of the young kids. Have, have you heard about this? Is the uh, football team? Toto has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the women's football team, young kids, high school kids on a plane, plane crashes. They're 19 months out in the wilderness, and then like what happens and who do they eat? And it's okay. very good, very enjoyable. Uh, started Righteous Gemstones. Looks oh, very yeah. good. Yeah. Right. We'll talk about that again sometime. OTVAM <laughs> with Gillette Labs. Got the ultimate shave of your money back. Neon Audition is available now. Here's Gavin Cooney on last night's football show talking Evan Ferguson. Right, it's uh, six minutes past nine this morning. Thanks very much for your uh, patience as we talked about something that maybe we didn't want us to talk about. Shane had his uh, fingers in his ears the whole time. Literally. Uh, they're uh, scrolling through the YouTube going, please, nobody in the comments. I think everyone is pretty good. Um, yeah, managed to avoid it this far. I, I, my algorithm doesn't show me anything succession related. It's because I don't search it. I try purposely not to. Oh, I muted all the words. Yeah, I think I did that as well, actually. But you see the odd photo still pop up somehow and you're just like, nope, nope. Nothing worse than a spoiler. Uh, Larmer's our only player with X Factor that has top end speed Balakun 2 Hodnett's our best alternative at 7 two glaring omissions says PWGC it's actually three omissions uh, did Leinster win that with Sexton and James Ryan I think probably says Simo you're never going to have your full team that's the thing you've got to mend and make do particularly in championship moments in big games I think it's going to be a long hard period of reflection for Leinster their only hope can be that some of the new talent coming through is better than the old talent and it might be it might be the case that's the eternal hope when you have a, a production line like Leinster do uh, some highlights on the OTB podcast network for you today the football show we played your clip from that a little bit earlier on it's uh, excellent stuff the hurling pod obviously is available for you now and we want you to subscribe to the news round in the OTB daily feed that way you can get your uh, daily fix of news with Joe and Mick and Richie every day uh, immediately after the show you can follow off the wall across social and subscribe to the OTB podcast network after the ads Owen Coggins you had to be there so unexpected it's one of those you had to be there moment you had to be there it subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life I had to be there Okay, it is uh, one of our uh, most popular and favourite slots on the show. It's You Had to Be There. Our guest this week is Owen Colgan, who is obviously a comedian and a fitness expert. More so, more so a fitness expert. But uh, As the fitness uh, industry, it's, it's, it's all the rage these days. It is, yeah, yeah. It's good to keep in shape, you know. And uh, when you combine the two worlds together, it's like... Uh, Magic happens. Synergy, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very of the now. Um, before we get into your list, which is brilliant, um, you're busy at the moment. Got some gigs going on around the country. Um, I'm in Mullingar tomorrow. I was in Derry last week and uh, go within in a few weeks' time as well. So, so you're doing the bypass the whole time on your own? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. We kind of at the beginning of the Hardy Books, we all like did the show together, but then because everyone's busy with their own stuff, that we just decided we start doing our own stuff. You know? Okay, so you've got a full hour of yeah. comedy. Yeah, a full hour of comedy. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. 
It's tough, yeah, definitely. But the only way to do it is to the only way to get good at it is to actually go on stage and do it. You know, yeah, yeah. Because you can practice as much as you want at home, but you need the people there mm-hmm. to get the reaction. Because it, it gets to a point where if you're at home, going over all your material, you think it's no good anymore. You don't even know what's funny. You're like, is people this? aren't laughing because there's no one there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it starts off. You're like, oh, this is funny. That's funny. You start putting it all together as a story, and then you try to put a narrative through the whole thing. And then at the end of it, you're like, I don't know if any of this is funny. Um, and are you uh, like a student of comedy history or that kind of stuff? Or you like know, I wouldn't, when I started off, I wouldn't have been at all. I would have just like, because it happened, this career of mine happened by accident with the Hardy Bucks. So Just fill people in. What happened? So how did that happen? Well, I was working in Galway and the lads were working in different parts of the country. And then... What were you doing? I was working in uh, Easton's. Right. At the back tagging books. Right. Yeah. And uh, do you a good deal if you want. Yeah, I'll have you guys. Sure Love reading it. <laughs> Tagging books and talking shit in the back room. Pretty much. I was hanging out with the security guard the whole time right. in the back. And there was another guy that worked in the back. He, wor- he was always obsessed with World of War. You know that game World of War? Yeah, yeah. He kept on about it every day. And I was like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> so uh, Eddie Durkin and the Viper, those two fellas, they were doing like a school project. So they said, oh, come to Mayo for a weekend. And How did you know them? I knew I knew Eddie Durkin. I'll just stick to their like acted names because that's probably handier. I knew Eddie Durkin through French Toast because I used to go to school with French Toast and play football with them. Okay. So he's like, "There's this new lad in town," and this lad landed up with like long red hair, and I was like, "He's he's a lunatic." So we kind of started all hanging out together, and then they were doing a school project in Ballyfermot. Right. So they had to do a weekend project, and they just said, "Do you want to get involved?" And I was working at the time. I was like, I don't want to be tagging books all my life. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no, no. Good trade if you can get it. Yeah, exactly. So that was the birth of the Hardy books. Pretty much, yeah. Well, the lads had already filmed a pilot, but then they went and they, we filmed like another kind of extended kind of demo pilot. Right. So then got myself and Salmon and different characters involved. And it just, it just took off from there then, you know. It seems like it was a giant success straight away. Maybe It seems like that in hindsight, but I don't think it was. There was okay. a, a lot of time in the middle where like... We were hanging around like for weeks going, what's, what's happening now? Do we keep doing this as a career? Because <laughs> none of us really knew what we were doing with our careers at that time. So it just kind of took off from there, you know, and then we started getting a few gigs here and there. And the first gig we ever did was actually in Casabar. Right. You might know Casabar. Yeah, Jesus. And uh, the five of us went up on stage, but like we didn't really know the etiquette of stand-up. So we just all started delivering our stories at the same time. <laughs> and we were like trying to kind of get on top of each other with delivering the story so the crowd was like looking on with a lot of confusion you know okay yeah but that was you know that was part of it too that's how great things start exactly in a bit of chaos yeah you know you need to take the chance as well where, like, where, so. where did Buzz come from where did the name Buzz come from Eddie Durkin he was I think he was doing a prank call one night and the fellow goes who's this and he goes it's uh, Buzz McDonald so then the name just stuck from there and then about a week later we were doing another prank and uh the fellow goes like, who's this? And I said, the Seti Durkin. And then the two names just kind of came from that. So just random names, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, Billy Buzz McDonald. That's the name I go it's by. Brilliant, isn't it? Do you, how do you look back on that time now? I look back at it as a great like kind of diary of the friendship that we had because I can see not just the messing we did on camera, but I can see how we were getting on at the time too. And we were hanging out all the time. So, you know, there'd be periods where we'd be like, I'm sick of hanging out with that lad. Or there'd be other bits where, you know, you kind of know how you're feeling in your life at that point as well. So um, to have it on camera is great, you know. Yeah. And I, didn't, I didn't think people would still talk about it, but the fact that they are, it's a good sign, I guess, you know. And the, the fact that you are now, that, that's who you are. You've become a comedian yeah. Yeah. off the back of it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's strange, you know, because 
I never really thought about doing this as a career. And then all it just kind of happened by accident. So I'm kind of going with it now. So I'm kind of envious of people who were like, when I was 10, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. When yeah. I was 10, I, I didn't really know at all. Maybe play football. Do you have any bits and bobs like the the Celtic jerseys, famous, the, even the vests? It's kind of like Arnslow from Keeping Up Appearances, the, the, the vest, even Eddie Durkin. What, do, you, do you have bits and bobs that you still have props-wise? No, I had, like, any time we do a gig, you know, I might, like, if I was wearing the Celtic jersey... <laughs> I get really excited and I take it off and just go, you can keep that. And then after the gig, I'm like, ooh, I want that back, actually. <laughs> so sometimes I'd have to go back and say, I might just get Excuse that me. off you again. But um, a few, there's a few bits. I've got a Drake jumper at home. And it was just a random one that I found in a second-hand shop. And it's just like Drake doing a dance move. So I have that in the attic at home. Brilliant. And that's not going anywhere for the moment. But that's, that's about it. The odd script and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. To make sure I give everybody an opportunity, if anybody wants to buy tickets... Just Google Owen Colgan. Yeah, it's on my Instagram as well. Okay. Owen Colgan Fitness. Um, the order here is uh, Liam McHale in the All-Ireland Final in 1996. Obviously the first game. <laughs> didn't, didn't play enough football in the second game for us to yeah. to race. Uh, so this is the draw game. This, is, this mm-hmm. is the heartbreak? The biggest? Well, the original heartbreak? I the, don't know. The game itself wasn't the heartbreak. The game itself was like, it's, it was like kind of going to a house party and you thought it was finished. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute, it's only nine o'clock. And yet another few hours to go at it. So it was kind of, we went up on the bus and uh, I remember I drank so much TK lemonade on the bus, I, I nearly exploded on the bus up on the bypass. And we were eating sandwiches and all that stuff. And the crack was unbelievable. As you can imagine, like a gang of lads coming up on a bus. What age are you? What was I? I was born in 84, so... You're only 12. 12 yeah, geez. right. 12, yeah. Okay. All time great memories then. Oh yeah, definitely. It's imprinted, you know. And I remember seeing... Liam McHale on the field and he was kind of like he reminded me of one of my teachers I had a teacher that also played for Mayo years ago TJ Kilgallen oh yeah a tough real tough man you know <laughs> and I remember looking at Liam McHale and he played basketball as well in Ballina so I was like who's that lad there and uh, just yeah the game was great you know it was like end to end kind of action and there was I think there was a bit of a scrap there as well so the whole thing I, I was looking at him as a child going I want to be that man and uh, like you know, obviously, there's uh, is it thirty years now of subsequent heartbreak that you don't realise this this is um, going to be a, a constant little drumbeat in the rest of your life. I thought that that would be the time that we'd win it, and then the floodgates would open. Yeah, but some fella in Mayo once said to me that he thinks it's nearly better if we don't win it because then the party will finish when we do win it. You know? Yeah. Because the novelty will wear off, but the longer we leave it, the sweeter the prize would become. I almost feel like two or three lost finals for a Mayo fan will be like character building, but eight, whatever it is now, eight, is it? It's just yeah. torture. That's torture. And there's been a few along the way where I was like, oh, no, this is it. And I've been telling everyone, going, this is it. And then, you know, you're in the pub and you're like, oh, maybe this is not it. <laughs> and uh, even against, I think the time, the last time we played Dublin, I think uh, where I was in Murray's pub there on O'Connell Street. And then after the game, the dub's like, ah... Fair play, we wish you won it as well, like, you know? Yeah. But that, that's, that's even worse. more so, yeah. Yeah, it's worse. I had a friend, he was planning to stay up for the whole weekend after the final, and he just, he just got a bus straight home after the game, because he just like, I can't be listening to people, you know, telling oh, me I that you should have won it, like. Yeah. So that's, that's nearly a harder thing to take, you know? It is. The patronising, uh, sorry. I think they mean it, that's the thing, I think they mean it, but at the time, it's kind of like, you know, your girlfriend breaking up a chinch, like... You're a good lad, like yeah. <laughs> boss. The I don't, want, boss. I don't yeah. want to be around you. <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah. Uh, the next one on your list is Adrian Sheeran beating Alan Reynolds in midfield. Yeah, it's a, which is a town of Mayo. 
It's like a village, you could say, yeah. Right. It's a fight. It was an organised fight. <laughs> it was at the time, yeah. It was an organised fight, and Adrian Sheeran was like an all-around boxing champion. Right. And Julie, it's, the venue was called Julian's, and it was like a massive disco. And like the disco was renowned to be famous. Like People from Sligo would, would go there, Roscommon. Mm. People coming up from Clare on buses. Right. You had different rooms. Like You had the Chaos Chamber. You had like... Apparently Mayo's biggest dance floor in the middle. The Chaos Chamber. The Chaos Chamber, that's yeah. It's a good selling point, Mayo's biggest dance floor. Yeah, that's yeah. what the, but then I don't know if that was actually factual, like because this was before the internet really. So like you couldn't check. Uh Julian's disco. Is this the one that Nathan used to have a dodgy way of getting people in, in the back. free? Yeah, Oh yeah, people were in the back. There's all different he, he had a way of like charging people <laughs> the side to get door. inside, but then yeah, eventually they found it out and um obviously the bouncers weren't very happy about this. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the thing about that place is my uncle was a bouncer there. Okay. So he'd be like, yeah, go on in. Right. So, so you were guaranteed to get in, even at 14? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. But but for the actual fight, anyone could win. And uh, the reason why I brought that up, the fight, is because it, it was just like such an epic off-the-charts fight where, like, the roof, because the roof wasn't even that high, you know? So everyone was, like, banging the roof. And at one point, I felt like I saw the sky, like, kind of, and the whole roof lifted off the hinges. And uh, Adrian Sheeran won the fight anyways. But he, he, yeah, he fought for Ireland as well. Was it a close fight? Obviously it was. It was very close, you know. It was kind of hard to know who was winning. And it, it was just, it felt a bit like Rocky, you know. There was a lot of, a lot of hard body blows going in there and a lot of, kind of going, oh, your man, is, who's going to win this yeah. fight? Yeah, there's a, there's a strong Irish amateur boxing thing in Mayo. There's been like uh, many Irish champions. Whereas, you know, you, you kind of think there's a few boxing clubs around the country that are mm. kind of, considered to be heartlands but it seems like it was a big deal when you were growing up yeah oh definitely there was boxing clubs all over the place and actually myself and the lads we used to go to uh, this like boxing co- club called Pat Kirby's um, boxing boxing club I guess it was but it was real old school equipment he'd use yeah and uh, there'd be different parts of the training where like you'd put your hands above your your shoulders like the, or your head like this and there'd be just people coming in like giving you loads of body shots and like this is before you know you'd have a sports science before sports science came into the game so I don't know if it worked but I feel like my ribs are still broken well and also your lifelong love of fitness which exactly, is on a yeah, good yeah. set today that's where it, it was, comes I was, yeah I was on the job learning so did you box as a kid no, no I did a lot of sparring and we went we used to do this thing where we'd travel around to different boxing clubs and we'd kind of just box their local lads. I never actually had an official boxing match, but there was one time we went to Bal. I don't know if you've ever been in Bal. It's a lovely, like, big town there but in Mayo. But um, we went down there anyways. But there was, I remember going in there and there was, like, a, a punching bag in the middle. It was really light. But the lads in there were, like, kind of punching it and it was, like, swinging. So we were like, oh, no, we're going to get destroyed in this place. Um, and then we went into the ring, and yeah, it was I pr- pretty much got destroyed in a, in a local fight by some lad. And that was, was the end of that. That was kind of like, you know what? I might try and do something a bit easier. Which is scarier? Get uh, like stand up in front of a room full of people for an hour, or getting into a, a ring sparring with a, a big lad? I mean, from the outside looking in, the, the boxing would be a lot scarier. But getting up on stage for me is, is kind of scary. You know, it's kind of right. my biggest fear. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of one of the reasons why I continue to do it because. It really scares me to the point where I have to actually meditate or learn. I'm trying to learn how to meditate and do affirmations and all that right. just so I can kind of counteract all the, the negative voices that I get in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm also qualified affirmation expert now as well. Jeez, uh, so it works. It obviously, the meditation works. Well, I've only tried a small bit of it, but I definitely think it works. Yeah. Like if I have a gig, we'll say in Dublin, what I'll do is I'll drive into Phoenix Park 
a few hours before the gig and I walk around and I, and I go, I am good. I am doing my best. I'm trying, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess if people have bought tickets, they're dying to see you. They know your stuff. Yeah. They're familiar with you. They're already fans. Definitely. But in, in my mind, I'd be like, okay, they're expecting me now to be funny. And then right. what if I'm not? You know, what if I'm just the farce? You know, the kind of imposter syndrome. Yeah. But there's almost an awkward humour to buzz. So people are like, expect a little bit of awkwardness yeah. and, and definitely not non-perfect Definitely, yeah. Hour, yeah. That's you know? yeah, yeah. That kind of works. I try to work that to my favour. Going, sure. I meant, I meant to fall on stage. There was one time actually I had a gig in Donegal. It was, it was the middle of nowhere, and uh, the stage was brought out forward a bit. And I have a projector, so I'm constantly pointing back to the projector, doing slides and stuff like that. But uh, didn't I end up falling off the back of the stage? <laughs> and the the slide thing went like the <laughs> an old cartoon. So. People, people laughed. That, there you that go. was actually the biggest laugh of the night. And I was like, cheers. That's, that's my new ending. <laughs> exactly. The last time we had you on, you were in Buenos Aires. Mm. And the line wasn't amazing, but it struck me that you were a well-traveled man. I, I don't know, maybe I just... Um, oh, he is away when we want to talk to him. He is there for a man who travels a lot. Just pure luck. Was it? Okay. Just pure luck, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Buenos Aires, I was there for the, the time they won the final. Yeah. So, it was nuts. It was like Garrett Brooks on steroids. <laughs> It was like There's fo- a thought there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Think about that for a second. Garrett Brooks squatting while on steroids. Um, it was like the population of Ireland on the streets. And uh, I was hanging out with some people that I know over there, girlfriend and different people as well. And uh, it was just, I got carried away at one point. It was like being in an ocean where you're like, Jesus, I was just getting pulled away and my arms were up there. And I, I couldn't really do anything about it. So I just got brought into the crowd and then I had to kind of sneak my way through like loads of people and I was like sweating absolute buckets you know (laughs) and I was like I have no idea about anybody here at all so I had to kind of keep walking down like side streets just to get to a point where I could actually like kind of breathe you know and get my phone out and text and I was like right I'll meet you at this location so ended up meeting them at a different location but it was pretty much I was on my own in an ocean of Argentinians how does that feel? Felt quite good actually. Did it? Yeah, there was a. I was doing a bit of tango in the middle of it. You know, you any Spanish? Un porquito, sí. Oh, <laughs> well, not not really much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that, the reason I bring this up is because your next one is Steve McManaman for Real Madrid against yeah. Espanyol. So, uh, is this in Barcelona or is this in uh, Madrid? Madrid, right? Yeah, they won five one. Yeah, it's just a, a run of the middle La Liga game. McManaman must run the show, does he? Well. Yeah, he did pretty well. Like, and I just felt some sort of affinity towards him. I don't know why. Like, but it's kind of like that connection you have with, with Liverpool. So when I seen McManaman playing with all the Galacticos, mm. I was like, he's my guy. You know, I want to, I want to be that guy. So he, I think he scored a goal actually in that game as well. Goal, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was nice to see it too because I don't think he was getting a, a real good time when he was over there. Um, so yeah, that w- ends well for him, obviously, um, with the cracker in a Champions League final. But were you a Liverpool fan already? I'm not even a Liverpool fan. Somebody okay. got me the ticket. Right. So I'm actually a Man United fan. Yeah, so sorry about that, lads. No, I'm a United fan. So United? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where, like, somebody got me a ticket. That's normally kind of what happens. I'm not really a great man for getting tickets, but if somebody says to me, do you want a ticket? You take. You say yes. I'll take it because I, I don't want to miss out on an, an experience. And were you just in Madrid and happened to get the ticket or had you gone to, because you knew you were getting the ticket? I, got, the I, w- I went because I knew I was getting a ticket to go to the game, yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. Bernabeu, a good state? Good. Unbelievable. But I found it strange. I found, like, this, the actual pitch was, it looked a bit smaller than I thought. Like, it looked actually right. smaller than you might see, like, mm. an amateur football field in even in Mayo. Like, you know, it looked... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
looks smaller than the fields I've been playing on in Mayo. So, yeah. And sorry, is football your first love? Soccer as a kid? Soccer as a kid, and then it went to kind of Gaelic football. And yeah, it was pretty much between those two. And did Gaelic football, when you went to school, and like a little bit later, or when Mayo, you started going to the Mayo games at 12, thinking, oh, this is I was more, I was more so into soccer, you know, but then Gaelic football was really encouraged in school because we had people like TJ Kilgallen, Martin Kearney. Oh, yeah. He was another uh, teacher of ours, so it was kind of encouraged to play Gaelic football now I wasn't that good mm. I didn't have the height but I had the touch I had a good touch on me but the problem is I couldn't get near the ball <laughs> so I kind of stuck to the little kind of tidy passes in, in soccer um, but then over the years I've kind of dr- grown more towards the Gaelic football right I don't know what it is I just feel like a, because I'm maybe living back in Mayo again. I was going to ask you back living in Mayo and you can feel is, is there are the spidey senses tingling again that this might be the year Um Will you be sitting in Murray's and your mate getting a bus home or will your mate be like, yeah, where to be on this town? <laughs> that's the thing, you see. You have to you have to decide where you're going to be for it, you know, because that's an important feeling to have after. Like, oh. so. Mayo would shut down for oh. weeks, wouldn't it? There was lads crying one of the finals that Mayo lost outside the pubs, just like lads who would never show emotion. Men in their 70s. You know, like lads, like real tough yeah. lads with big hands. And they were just like, I just seen them breaking down. I was like, please win it in my time. Jeez, you know? But, um, I'll probably be in Mayo for the next one. It's a good story, though, the the constant waiting for it. Yeah, I mean, it kind it's of is, yeah. great to live through, I suspect. Maybe it is great to live through, because you always feel alive. That's Definitely, like, you know, yeah, and it makes it all exciting. It is always exciting. Yeah, and like... Your, your brand is, we are the exciting team who will... When when we look like we're dead, we're not dead. And when we look like we're going to win it, we're not going to win it. It's like you never keeping know. you on your toes. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have two more to go. Um, this one, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm very surprised. Shay Given... Yeah, for Ireland against Italy in Poznan <coughs> in 2012. Um, Another free ticket. Right. Well, a, a ticket that it was raffled between myself and the lads. So myself and another friend, Michael Salmon, got two tickets. Right. But for some reason, we just went in different directions to the stadium. <laughs> and uh, we were in the stadium and I was in a big bunch of like Irish, Polish people from all over the world who were just, just like in the stadium shouting and... I don't have really have good eyesight, hence uh, I got the glasses. So I couldn't quite see what was going on. But I remember, like, I think I was, I was asking a fellow beside me, and he's like, oh, Shagan, Shagan Givens after saving that one again. So I felt like his presence was very important to stop us getting hammered all together. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of diving, you know? Yeah. The tournament yeah, yeah. wasn't great. <laughs> no, it wasn't great, no. But the atmosphere was amazing. We were actually over in Poznan at the time, uh, over there doing a bit of filming. Right. But the next day we went to like this kind of water park just to kind of chill out, you know, and just to kind of relax and forget about the, the football. And uh, myself and another lad were in this kind of spa, spa-like yeah, yeah. kind of jacuzzi area. And, uh, you know, there's different etiquette around the world for those kind of things. So we were kind of in a circular room and there was a hose in there just with water coming out of it, just to cool you down. So my friend had the hose out and he started spraying it all over the room. And then all of a sudden he was like, what's that? And then this like really big Polish guy kind of walked out of the, the <laughs> mist and he'd been spraying this Polish lad on the chest <laughs> with water so um, he, he found the funny side of it too because okay. he was a big dude yeah. but uh, that certainly made us forget about the result anyway Jesus I forget but something yeah, like that in a hurry yeah but like the Irish fans were at that particular competition everyone was like you're Irish oh yeah. my god yeah. I want to buy you a drink or they want to spend time with you there was a um, a 
24-hour sensation where everyone's like, oh, you can't be singing the Fields of Athen Rye at the end of the game. I was like, well, I mean, uh, for me, the Fields of Athen Rye is like a, a horror show where you're mourning the loss of something yeah. terrible. And mm-hmm. it's only appropriate when you've been hammered or you're trying to lift up a team who've been beaten. The Munster fans did it after uh, Northampton beat them in the European Cup final in rugby. And the Ireland fans did it after that, and I thought that was quite appropriate. If Leinster fans had broken into it last week, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded because it's like we still have your backs here. There was like yeah. I thought, it, personally at the time. No, it's just, it's it, just it's the undying support, you know. That's and a patriotic in, song too, though. Patriotic, yeah. It's it's a lament at the end of it all, but it's a lament for something lost, and we had lost our, you know, our. Uh, all the football matches. <laughs> uh, yeah. Badly. Let's not go into detail now. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. And then the last one is Simon Zebo. This is a, a moment of exuberance to finish on Wales against Ireland um, in 2013. My brother got me a ticket for that. And he's like, do you want to go to this uh, game in Cardiff? And I was like, I don't really know anything about rugby at all. But he goes, come on, should we? it'll be a bit of fun. And again, the eyesight was kind of struggling at the time. So I remember... Watching, I seen the Zebo flick, you know, and I was like, "What, what was that? What? I couldn't really get it." And I had to wait to see it on the big screen to to like realize how good it was, you know, because there was a massive kind of roar at the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, that was amazing. Yeah, that was the one and only rugby, rugby game I've ever been to. A lot of times, the roar at matches is like, "I think something amazing has happened." What was it? It's kind of a, Ugh! and then you see it again on the big screen as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can digest it a bit better. But we went to a pub then quite close to the uh, stadium after and then we met some like Welsh ladies and they were like oh go on speak to us in, in like Irish or your Irish accents and all that stuff so we were just chatting to them about the bog and <laughs> fucking <laughs> turf and they were loving it so uh, I suppose maybe I don't know you might have some Welsh people down the bog what were you saying about the bog what would you say just like just kind of saying stuff like oh I love a bit of foot and turf and you know there's a great, there's a great drying out there and they found that's just like hilarious because they'd never heard any bog talk before. Wow. So, so there you go. So it was a, a, a good day and good night. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Are we to assume that retrospectively now all of these, there was also some, uh, something else that happened in like in, what was the name of the nightclub? Uh, Julian's. Julian's. Yeah, good night that night too. Or the Poznan steam room. <laughs> <laughs> the great Poznan yeah. steam room incident. I'm, I'm married to like a Polish uh, fellow now. There but, you go. <laughs> All in all, great times, you know, great experiences, and uh, yeah. Well, thanks very much for sharing it. So, um, your next gig is in Mullingar tomorrow night, you said? Mullingar tomorrow night. Tickets still available, or no? Uh, I think that one's sold out. That's okay. in Columbia Bar. And then I'm in the Roshin Dove in Galway, and then Dolan's as well in Limerick. So it's kind of like a mini tour, and then I'm going to sort of add on some extra dates at the end of it. Okay, so for dates and fitness advice, get onto Instagram. Please do, yeah. On Coggins, you had to be there. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. It's so unexpected. It's one of those you had to be there moments. You had to be there. It subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life. I had to be there. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we've got Vinnie Perth in studio getting football and hurling preview. We're looking ahead to the Women's Champions League and Men's FA Cup final and plenty more right now. The rest of Gavin Cooney on last night's football show. Have a wonderful Wednesday. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.